1: Podcast is having a mojo moment. Oh, we're having a moment, all right. Yeah, it's playoff fever. And the Around the NFL Podcast. Welcome to the show, the flagship program. The regular season is in the books. Dan Hans is here with Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. Boys, the playoffs are set. And we are in the afterglow of one of the wildest Sunday night football games I can ever remember, a true classic that we're going to get into in just minutes between uh, the Chargers and the playoff-bound Raiders. Can you believe it? How's everybody doing?
5: I don't know. I don't know what else to talk about other than that game since it just ended. But uh, I did notice how there was some, like, some um, haters kind of coming out about week 18. They're like, Oh, week 18's come they've just served us like the Eagles backups here on, on Saturday night, as if that didn't happen in every week, 17 anyways. Uh, but this week, 18 Sunday delivered, I mean, in a, in a way that I could not have possibly foreseen.
2: Well, there were like a string of Epic performances and Epic games today. And, um, I mean that Sunday night game, which I believe was roughly five and a half hours long, that contest, um, <laughs> Totally delivered. I kind honestly, it made me. And we'll get into it, but it made me think for just a minute of Wes's incredible speech about the meaninglessness of sports and trying to find meaning in it, and, and reconciling that. And it's just something about the way this regular season, which has been an up and down affair, ended in the most improbable, insane game. Um, I, I it was like gripping. It was gripping. It was football at its best. So uh, no cynicism for me on the fact that it also was about five and a half hours long. I like was a wa- walking sin around sin my garage. But little bit. <laughs> no, obviously it. it was a great it was a great game and there were a couple other games we'll, <laughs> we'll get to today that were insane.
1: Also you felt that lock slipping through your fingers. I'm sure you were struggling with that a little bit. You did get it done, kept your season alive with the Raiders. Yes. Uh, I'm sure as a fifteen point fourth quarter lead disappeared, that that garage, there was some walls that were in danger and some controls and some some texts that we got seemed like the anger was building, but it looks it all worked out.
2: Well, I mean, you, you know, counter to that, as you could feel the Chargers coming back and inching closer to the potential world of a tie, that would have caused utter chaos in Pittsburgh. So, you know, there were a lot of little mini victories um, at, that were possible here, little mini victories on the on the front.
1: <laughs> all right, let's dig into it um, real quick. Saturday. It's going to be Raiders-Bengals, 4.30 Eastern on NBC. Then, oh, we knew it was coming. It was inevitable. Patriots-Bills rematch Saturday night game on CBS Sunday. Eagles-Bucks at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then Niners-Cowboys, 4.30 Eastern on CBS Sunday. The Steelers, who are somehow in the playoffs, uh, <laughs> they get the Chiefs on Sunday night football and then, first ever, unless Greg can tell me it happened in 1993, a Monday wild card playoff game, Cardinals-Rams from SoFi. Whoa, should we go to that game? All right, let's, let's not get ahead of how ourselves. About, how
5: about West of us, um, coming back? The first Saturday afternoon game is in Cincinnati. But you know what? It's not, it's not the Red Rockets starting this one. It's Joe no. Burrow. I was no, going to say. Is, this
1: is like West of us for adults. <laughs> well, we've been get yeah, we've been getting a lot of West of us type tweets, but this is not the West of us that West used to talk about. No. Because us wasn't the Bengals just entering the playoffs and getting ready for the game. West of us was a celebration of their one and done uh that everyone mm. saw coming, and it was always celebrated as the early kickoff game on Saturday. Now it is still the early kickoff game, but this feels different. I no, think West would have said the same.
5: They're heavy favorites. Hopefully they get it done. I can't believe uh No Colts, no Chargers. We got the Raiders and the Steelers. (laughs) Let's get to it. (laughs) All right, let's uh, dig
1: in, starting with, yes, an instant classic from Vegas. Oh,
5: Sunday night. Two seconds on the clock,
1: and Daniel Carlson is on to put a little frosting on the cake. A little 47-yarder. Cincinnati, yeah, baby! (laughs) Brent Musburger with the goal. Brent Musburger is like 140 years old. That man was fully alive with that call. Daniel Carlson capped a wonderful night for the kicker. He has got his own booth in the kicker club tonight with his fifth field goal. The difference in the 35-32 overtime win for the Raiders over the Chargers. Who, and I know people are going to say, oh, the Chargers going to charge her. And they did it again. They blew it. And yes, in a way they did. Because I thought they were the better team to set up well for them to advance. Uh, But the fight they showed with those 15 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. That is something I'll remember. Including that drive at the end of regulation. Anyway. Raiders advance. As I said. They move on but this is a game that has so many levels and uh aspects to it greg what what kind of jumped out to you the most when you kind of reflect upon it about 45 minutes after the kick went through the uprights
5: well i i think let's hit the the timeout at the end of the game first just cuz i feel like because it's the last thing that ends up dominating the conversation obviously you mentioned like the herbert performance in the comeback and some of those throws were are like that was more exciting to me but the fact that brandon staley took a timeout on third and four with what was it 38 seconds left to me was kind of like a nothing burger. And I think this is a, a case where like the announcers of the game, Alan, Chris were, were getting so excited about the tie Twitter's getting so excited about the tie that they like led everyone in this weird, wrong direction that was in some way saying like the Raiders were laying down at that moment, the Raiders ran for seven yards on the previous play and the raiders at that point were not going to throw the ball again that w- that was obvious they were going to run the ball and if they got close enough you know they presumably w- would kick a field goal to ki- try to win it when staley called that timeout he took two lightweight guys off the field that were struggling in run defense and he put his run defense uh, you know, two guys who are better in run defense on the field because he just gave up seven yards. This is a terrible run defense. It's been the story of this Chargers defensive season. Like the fact that they lost and the fourth downs and timeouts like distract from the fact that he is a defensive coach and his defense stunk in, in a big spot like that. When basically I think the Raiders would have been OK going to uh, a tie because they were they were just going to run it kind of like our guy Sean McVay did at the end of the game and if it didn't work then they either punt or or they kick a long field goal Staley wants to get a better guys out on the field and they still couldn't stop it they knew the run was coming Josh Jacobs who was great in this game picks up 10 yards and they kicked the game-winning field goal and they made this big deal about the timeout and that to me was just It was strange. It was like acting like the Raiders were not trying in that situation. What they were trying to do was just run the ball. And they showed on that drive, like, they were going to be able to do it and do it well. And this Chargers defense, like, let them down one final time.
2: Well, Derek Carr said after the game that they, you know, their intention was to win. Um, And, you know, I kind of don't really care what anyone says. But do you think that there's a different level of urgency if a tie would have led to both of them making the playoffs that the Raiders aren't pushing that hard to get a field goal if the timeout exactly, doesn't which occur is, there.
5: Which is, but they're running the ball. What, what, what changes? Either way, they're running the ball. I think the game was different because of the tie situation in the sense that the Raiders didn't have a huge motivation to throw there. And I so guess I'm asking you this right like, Let's, like, let's say w- that what would have changed. Let's say that, the, that Staley does not call the timeout. Mm-hmm.
2: The Raiders continue to run the ball. Time expires, both teams make the playoffs. Do you think that – Do you don't think that would have been a possibility there? I do. I just think – But wait,
5: they would – but what I'm saying is they would have run the ball and either – I I don't know what would have happened there, but let's say they run the same play and it gains 10 yards. They Then they kick a field goal either way. The point – and Staley said it after the game – was he was just trying to stop the run to make it as long a, a field goal as possible. He called the timeout, not like early, and, and the timing of it is what gives it away, that he obviously was just doing that. He didn't call it with 40 seconds left on the play clock. He called it with four seconds left. You know, he wasn't trying to save time necessarily. He was just trying to, like, stop them from running, and he looked and he saw a formation that he, that he didn't like, and they so couldn't stop the run.
1: I, I agree with you, and yeah, Staley said after the game, yeah, that was there was no... There's no other um, explanation other than what you're saying, Greg. He just wanted to have a better defensive stop unit on the field for because his he just run. saw them
5: gave up seven yards, like on a play where like and, right, they right, should not be it, giving right. up seven yards.
1: And that's what it comes down to, I think, which is this game probably ends in a tie. And that poor dude, the Steelers fan at yeah. the stadium, <laughs> he is he's like dead in the middle of the aisle right now. If all they have to do is stop the run there, and right, I think the exactly. Raiders are going to play that very conservative. And they're going to make it look like they tried, but hey, you know that it is what it is. And I think it would have been a massive story if the Raiders just ran the clock out without kneeling. And I think it could have happened if the Chargers could have just gotten a stop. But you know, I think it it didn't work out that way. And Carlson made the kick, and I think it was the best for everyone involved. Ultimately, not the Chargers, obviously, but in in the best interest of football. I don't think a a tie where nobody was really trying at the end would have been a great way for the season to end. I I like the way it ended, and. Um, I thought, I thought Derek Carr, who did not have a very good game overall, made that huge money throw that set up those final runs that led to the, uh, game winning field goal. So he gets a little measure of revenge against Joey Bosa and the Chargers, Bosa, who's trashed him, um, in the past for not being a money clutch player. And maybe he wasn't in this game, but he delivered that big throw when necessary. And I, I have to say in all my years, like watching football, certainly in my years, doing this podcast with you guys I, I I can't remember another drive like the Chargers game time drive in the fourth quarter 19 plays 19 plays 83 yards the touchdown <laughs> at the gun um it covered about two minutes and five seconds about of game time but about 20 minutes of real time it featured a conversion of fourth and ten fourth and ten third and ten fourth and ten. And then the touchdown when they had one shot at the end zone, or uh, and they and they stuck it in there. Herbert making big throw after big throw after big throw. I'll never forget that drive, and that's why like the Chargers fans that have been ride or die with that team, no matter what city they play in, are hurting again tonight. But man, they didn't. It looked like about midway through the fourth quarter that it was a classic Chargers gonna Charger meltdown. But what they showed in this game was how it is different, and they're not there yet. But with that dude, anything is possible. So I think it's a bittersweet um, night for Chargers fans who, once again, you're reminded how special that guy is behind center. And a credit to the whole team because I think Collinsworth nailed it. Those guys were gassed, and I think they caught some breaks with some timeouts and some stoppages that even gave them a chance to get into the end zone there because they had nothing left and they weren't even to midfield yet. Um, But that took some real guts, that drive. So I have a lot of respect for the Chargers and what they did tonight.
2: And the drive before was 14 plays. Like, they were absolutely winded by the time that thing ended. And I think it's just one of those games that the complexion of it shifted so many times. And you come out thinking, like, you can make a bunch of mistakes and errors and get in your own way. But when you have Justin Herbert, anything is possible. And the tie felt—or the the going into overtime felt inevitable once they got going that way. But, I mean, I do think if you're a Chargers fan— You look back on a lot of little what if moments like the Andre Roberts botched punt return that just basically set the Raiders up for a quick score. You know, when they I'm not disagreeing with this call again, we've discussed this issue a thousand times, but they are stuffed on fourth and one from their own 18 yard line in the third quarter. My God. I I mean, the thing is, it's just like that's that's who they are. That's their philosophy. I mean, Justin Herbert. Is it even though? Fourth yes, it and one is
1: one inside your own twenty in a game the, that your season's on the line. That I, I'm the last like math nerd person out there, that. but like
2: it like there were tweets showing that like over and over the suggestion was you go for it. I think from a just like a human angle, it's like that it didn't it did it kind of it, it it was a pivotal because it's not showing a lot of respect to the Raiders' offense. the The play call did not work out. I mean, it just it's one of those things you look back on,
5: but that's who the Chargers are. And Brandon Staley said that all season long, like this is what we do. But they're not a good interior running team, and they they weren't on that play. And like Darius Phylon, who who got carded for the Raiders, made a great play on that play. So you got to think about like the strength of your team. I don't mind going for it there. They ended up going six or seven on fourth down, but a lot of those uh, were in that late desperation mode. There All was also him. a f- right. long, well,
1: fourth and longs.
5: Right, and well, one of them was fourth and two early. That that added okay. seven points to the to the score they would you know they would if they kicked the field goal there that kind of evens out but it, it's not just like Herbert hitting those throws it's like the quality of those throws were outrageous the touchdown to tie it at the buzzer at the last game of regulation was one of the best throws of Justin Herbert's life he he's you know going to his he's going to his left and he throws it down in a way when Mike Williams is getting double covered bracketed in man coverage like that's impossible Like, that was an unreal throw. (laughs) Ricky,
1: can we hear, because I really, um, uh, my buddy Matt Money-Smith, our friend, the voice of uh, uh, God for the ATN podcast, uh, I have to hear his call of the uh, touchdown at the end of regulation. It's the only time we're going to hear money uh, until next (laughs) September in terms of calls, uh, but this one uh, I'm sure was worth it. Herbert and the shotgun. Here is the season. They rush for Here comes Max Crosby. Herbert to the end zone. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers. (laughs) Mike Williams. DJ, I don't
0: believe what we have witnessed. (laughs) Laugh or cry, buddy. Laugh or cry. We are tied at 29. What a treat for NFL fans everywhere. No, except for one.
1: Um, Mike Williams, by the way, kudos. He's one of those guys that was tough as nails on, the, you know, just running those go routes, going up and down the field. Uh, he's going to sleep for three days. Uh, nearly made three one-handed catches, including one that preceded the game-tying field goal in overtime. If he comes down with any of these balls, it's a different game. But then you could say on the other side, between Derek Carr's um, accuracy issues on downfield shots and some drops on their side of the ball, uh, it could have been a very different game. So, man, it was it was just a hell mm. of a game. I'll never forget it.
5: Yeah, I think, like, Max Crosby won this game as much as, like, a defensive end could, because I, I think just how many points the Chargers would have put up if Crosby wasn't you know, just destroying. He By the way, he entered the fourth quarter, according to Next Gen stats like eight pressures behind the season lead, Of pressures, I forget who it was that was in front of him, and he had nine in that quarter, so he ended up like winning that. It was just like outrageous. the The third and one last like little point was like, and this goes back to the Chargers' run defense, so it's kind of a full circle thing. the The key play in the game, I thought before those last couple drives, was the third and twenty three run. That Jalen Rashard had at the end of the first half, the the Chargers are winning by four there, and we're going to get the ball back with over a minute to go and put up more points, and that ends up being like at least a seven point swing. The Raiders go down and score a touchdown because the Chargers can't stop a, a rushing play on third and twenty three. That really changed the game, and uh, that that was like during a little segment where the Chargers had one first down in five drives. So it's like every every aspect of both of these teams played a part in this game, and and, and that was awesome. the
2: longest third down run to get a first down of the entire year by any team and so it came at the perfect moment (laughs) for Jalen Richard and the Raiders
5: I mean remember it was the game was over at 29-15 too until they overturned uh, the the fourth and sixth spot uh, at you know to give the Chargers the play it was that moment where I thought oh maybe the Chargers will win this thing and then uh, no and let's
1: close this game out by giving credit where credit's due to Rich Bisaccia, to Derek Carr to Josh Jacobs to Zay Jones, that whole team, that defense, the offensive line, they finished ten and seven this year. And when they lost forty-eight nine at Kansas City, they just seemed like they were done for. And then I and I'll I'll own up to it. I I wrote them off multiple times, including a couple of days ago.
5: They were uh, your they, ride or die team back in like some week four episode. I don't know if you remember this yeah. episode well, where we were, each picked uh, well, a team. So, so I, I guess in the it. end, you were you were right. Yeah. <laughs> I nailed it. I like, to, I like playing it this way. But, like, uh, they edge
1: by the Browns. They edge by the Broncos. They stun the Colts and in Indy and then play great f- football and win this game. So it's it's all house money now for the Raiders. And I know they're going to be a heavy underdog um, next week, but it doesn't matter. This Considering everything that this team went through this year uh, between Gruden and Ruggs uh, and having an interim coach just dropped into, out of nowhere – uh to be able to go on this run in December and January congratulations to the Raiders and those fans and big year big year uh for Vegas football all right and
2: in, in one little thing like i think you know our overall impression of Derek Carr the football community's overall impression has changed as he incrementally gets hotter and hotter with each passing <laughs> week why is he looking more attractive to me than at any previous time in his career wow oh, yeah.
1: that's the that's how we're buttoning up that game i say
2: maybe not the final note we were looking for but i just think that he's kind of feeling you know he's in
5: a zone he's feeling the calm no wonder mark's not cynical he's uh he's going to be rewatching that raiders you know post game interview a little later and get comfortable ah! real comfortable <laughs> all right let us okay. now move
1: on uh through the rest of the afc so we're going to hit all the afc games and then we're going to move to the nfc all right let's move now to the biggest upset of the day oh man come on colts fourth and goal for the colts Jacksonville leads this game 23 to 3 they hand it to jonathan taylor
0: jonathan taylor he didn't do it he did not get there the
1: jags have stuffed him again at the one yard line the bongos go to the jaguars who, a little teaser, move out of the basement of the power rankings. The G-men will take their place to end the season. <laughs> Frank Frangie with the call, WOKV. Trevor Lawrence capped his best game as a pro, the beautiful recovery and TD pass. And the Jacksonville defense made that big goal line stop to basically lock it up. The Colts gagged their way to infamy on Sunday, blowing their chance at the playoffs in a stunning 26-11 loss to the Jaguars at the big chlorine tank. NFL rushing champion Jonathan Taylor held to 77 yards. Carson Wentz turned the ball over twice, leading to 10 points. And Indy faltered in all phases to the 3-14 and 14 Jags. Greg, this was an outcome that can change the course of the entire organization in Indianapolis.
5: It is just hard to believe. Because it wasn't like one of those games where it's just, oh, I can't believe he made that play, or I can't believe they made that call, or even just, I don't even think you can just say, or, you know, Carson Wentz is a bum. Like, I get it. There was a segment when I'm sure Red Zone was all over this game in the third quarter where Carson Wentz um, did not rise to the moment. But at that point, they were already down by two touchdowns, and Carson Wentz hadn't been that involved in that game in a negative way. The, The Jaguars just, like looked better and you mentioned Trevor Lawrence playing his best game. He played a perfect first half. They kind of took the ball out of his hands in the second half, but when they needed just one play out of him, he made it. That that scramble to and throwing it up high to Marvin Jones, who had an awesome play, uh, was just a reminder of like how talented Lawrence is and his teammates let him down a few times today. They could have won this game by about 30. I was yeah. si- when I was watching this game, I was thinking, oh, my God, are they going to blow this? Because they should be winning by about 25 or 30. But they didn't. Uh, their defensive line, offensive line, everyone just freaking. Yeah. Lavish all, Can it. we can we catch right.
1: the ball? Lavish all? <laughs> right, right. Can we catch? Can we catch the ball that I'm totally with you, Greg? This was there was nothing fluky about the outcome. The Jaguars kicked The Colts' butt in this game. And that's why, Mark, Frank Reich after the game. Do we have that, Ricky? Uh, Reich after the game?
3: Never expect to be sitting here, you know, having this this moment right now. Not like this. You know, we had a good week of practice. We had good preparation all week long. Um, Felt good energy the whole week, every day, every meeting. um, Felt like we had three good plans. Felt like the players were dialed in. And, um, and and we just didn't get it done today. You know, we just didn't get it done, coaching or playing.
1: I mean, right, Mark, he looks stunned because there's no way you could have predicted an egg at this magnitude.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a top five Colts loss of all time. I mean, I really do. And I mean, I know it wasn't in the playoffs per se, but it was a total collapse. And maybe there were hints of it when they fell to the Raiders the way they did, although we think a little differently about the Raiders right now. But... You know, I don't, I didn't put anything into the fact that they hadn't won in Jacksonville since 2014, but it was an utter no show. And I think it raised, it's like when you think about the Colts in general, they had, they had dominated in back to back wins over the Patriots and Cardinals. They seemed like one of the more sure things in the AFC, but it did hedge around the fact that you needed Jonathan Taylor to be operating at MVP levels. You needed Carson Wentz to keep the mistakes down. And today you got the worst version of those two. Scenarios and and I, I'm just stunned by how dominant Jacksonville was. It makes me think when they beat up the Bills that one week, but that just felt like such an aberration because the offense in Jacksonville had been so bad. But you got Trevor Lawrence's best game at the perfect moment for them, and they still come out with the number one overall pick.
1: Well, the oh, yes, because the Lions loss, uh, the Lions upset one of the Packers, keeps the Jags at number one. So it's it's literally it's a perfect day uh, for the Jaguars in
5: every way. It is, and it was the offensive line for the Colts, I think, more than anything that killed them. Like They they couldn't push them in the running game. There was a couple short-yardage situations they couldn't get early. You heard the fourth down call. Uh, And Eric Fisher was just getting destroyed. Sometimes the game's about matchups, and Josh Allen terrorized Eric Fisher in this first matchup where they could not get anything done uh, throwing the ball either. And their offense was pretty bad that day, too. And Josh Allen just destroyed Eric Fisher, who was coming off an injury today. Uh, And it almost just short-circuited the entire offense. Like, when that happens and it's like a Chargers game and Storm Norton getting dominated, like, Justin Herbert can overcome that somehow. Uh, When it's the Colts, like, Carson Wentz is not overcoming that. And the the Colts committed the cardinal sin
1: of any type of team in this situation late in the season when you need to win, the other team's ready to go home uh, for the winter, you let, you get off to a little bit of a slow start and you give the Jags a reason to, you know, start to rally around each other and start to get pumped up and get the crowd involved. And by the end of the first quarter, you knew this was going to be a game. It was almost like shades of, like I showed, um, the boys, um, we got the Nintendo Classic, as I told you, which is just going off in the house right now. And they've been playing Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Uh, that classic game. So I, I showed him like a clip of Mike Tyson's, you know, all of his knockouts and gave him a, on YouTube and gave him the rundown. <laughs> and then right when they thought this was literally the most dangerous, baddest man alive, no one's been better. I was like, now watch this. And I showed him the Buster, Buster Douglas fight and they watched it. Like, I felt like I was watching the Tokyo dome event live in my uncle Bob's house in 1990. Like they were stunned. It's kind of like that. Like we're, but Mike Tyson let Buster Douglas start to believe, and then that was it. And I think that's what happened with the Colts here. And I just don't know what because Carson Wentz, obviously, it washes away everything this season. It really does. It's that devastating. And it really – anybody that doubted Carson Wentz now says, see, I was right all along, and you kind of were. But I think it's very important what you pointed out, Greg, which is Carson Wentz didn't step up in this game. But neither did anybody else on the team, not the offensive line, not the playmakers, not even the defense with Darius Leonard, who had a huge personal foul late in the game. It just was like this weird, everyone falls off. And then it's like, who, who does that go back to? Frank Reich has to take heat, too. This team was not ready, and it, we saw it. Yeah, I think
2: organizationally, it's, it's everyone. It's the whole thing. And then, ultimately, you look back on the Carson Wentz trade with the Eagles, and someone tweeted this out, that – the, the Colts get Carson Wentz. <clears throat> the Eagles get a top 20 pick, a third round pick, 103 million in cap relief. The Eagles made the playoffs. The Colts are going home.
5: <laughs> right. I mean, Wentz is under contract for a couple of years. I, I just don't think he's going anywhere. And, you know, of, of course, I guess it shouldn't need to be said. I don't think Frank Reich or Chris Ballard are going anywhere. So I don't, I don't think it's like something that changes their organization necessarily. It's just like... An ultimate wet, like wet fart. How this how this uh, season ended, and the the thing with Wentz is, yeah, he wasn't the reason they they fell behind. Like Trevor Lawrence was great on third downs in the first drive; it really set the tone. Like he made great plays to keep that drive going. They had a long touchdown drive, but when they're trailing by two touchdowns in the third quarter, and that was like the moment you needed a franchise quarterback. He had one of his worst quarters of the year; like he just started short circuiting and had that had that quarter, and it was just like. Sh-
1: and, and he, he said, had the damn, look.
5: this like and damn, this is our quarterback here that we need right, right now. And he, it was
4: just yeah.
1: as it's becoming the biggest story in the NFL and everyone's eyes are on the games. And and CBS wisely is cutting repeatedly to the sideline and you see Wentz and it's like that does not look like a leader of men that's about to save the day. And he wasn't. So it wasn't all on him, but he certainly played a, a big role in their collapse, losing back to back games. Missing the playoffs entirely. And like we talked about at the top of the show, um, you needed this. This changed everything. This pumped life into week 18. That's uh, we needed either Jacksonville or Houston to do something crazy. Jacksonville did it and it opened a door for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's take a break and then we'll hit that game.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, here it is. In overtime to try to win
1: it. A 36 yard effort for the magic of buzz. The ball is
4: down, the kick is on its way That kick is up, That kick is good And the Pittsburgh Steelers have defeated the Baltimore Ravens And the Steelers are the headed game. for playoff land
1: <laughs> Wow, Bill Hilgrove almost spoke too soon there <laughs>
5: Right, lucky Daniel Carlson hit that kick <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers aren't dead they're undead. The zombie Steelers are improbably and possibly even alive after a 16-13 win over the Ravens in Baltimore. That win, combined with the Colts' stunning loss to the Jags, and the game on <laughs> Sunday night not ending in a tie allows the <laughs> Roethlisberger-led Steelers to enter the playoffs for the I don't even, I meant to look this up I'm going to say 100th time in his hall of fame career it's probably closer to like what, 10 12
5: yes it's probably closer to 10 greg, uh, the the stats research department is on it buddy
1: all right I'm thanks buddy it. greg the uh, the rest of the afc had a month to deliver the headshot to kill the walking dead out of western pennsylvania
5: they could not do it I think this is the fourteenth uh playoff trip. Might be thirteen if I That's counted ridiculous. wrong there. That is just uh outrageous. I can't believe this team got to nine, seven, and one. They ruined Mark's eight, eight, and 1st of sorry, all. Sorry, dude. No, um, guess what?
2: It's not gonna happen now until twenty forty six, so
5: <laughs> sorry to everyone. <laughs> they ruined that. They like this was just such a twenty twenty one season Steelers game. Ben could have thrown four interceptions. He was rough, but he Tyler, Tyler Huntley made he the stinks. mistake, especially in the red zone, you know, late in that game when they're up four to throw that interception to Brutal Andrews, mistake. Where he just forced it in, in a field goal there, really felt like it's probably going to be enough. Um, it was brutal, and, uh, man, it was – I just uh, – I'm impressed. TJ Watt not only sets the sack rec- sat record – He does it in a huge spot, like in a second-and-goal situation where you end up stopping the Ravens from uh, scoring a touchdown. Like That's that's the way you want to do it.
1: He tied the record with Michael Strahan now, so that is now they're together in the record books. Uh, He had a uh, sack immediately as the game began on a strip sack, and then they changed it and just ruled it a, a forced fumble. Otherwise, the record would be his. But I'm glad it worked out the way it did. And now we just need somebody else. Maybe it will be TJ Watt himself to break it out right. But now Strayham has to share the record, and I like it. It's a start. would have
5: been nice, because that was pretty early in the game. That was the second quarter. It would have been right. nice for him to set it. But that, that was the thing about Watt and why he'll probably win defensive player. The, the, the next play after that, he made a great tipped uh, pass to, like, you know, break up a, a pass from Huntley too. He was all over the place. The the offense in this game was was pretty rough. I was watching this, just thinking, man, I don't want to see either one of these teams in the playoffs.
2: You know, what you know, Watt <clears throat> was not told that that initial sack was taken away. He thought oh. he had it, and then he had a later one where he and Cam Hayward combined on a half sack, <clears throat> and that was taken away because Cam Hayward had a hit to the head. So. You know, Whoa. A, a razor's Ooh. edge, but they, but they, Watt was not informed. I thought that was a little bit tough. Um, I, I can't help but leave this season just thinking about the Ravens and how well coached they were. How many dark corners they got out of to get to this point? It's such a season of what ifs, but it make it, it leaves me with with um, more respect for that organization as my yep. voice continues to disappear here. I, I, I mean,
1: the Ravens they ended the season what on a six game losing streak? They went, they were eight and three, and they finished... Eight and nine, of course, a lot of that goes back to injuries, and they and just five were... of those
5: were on the last play. I mean, right. that's the they, thing. Five they were of
1: decimated, things. and then lost a lot of close games in the second after after winning a lot of close games in the first half. But it's like, you know, it is it, it's disappointing because we talked about the Saints in the same way a couple of weeks ago, and the Saints closed strong and found ways, and the and the Ravens just could not finish out these games. So just a very frustrating loss for them, and the and the Steelers. Listen, first of all. Steelers fans, Damoshek and everybody else, that had to be the most painful, strange Sunday night football experience ever. I mean, when they cut to that fan, the NBC cameras, the Steelers fan that's somehow in Vegas, and he, he saw what looked like uh, the Raiders running out the clock at midfield. Um, can you imagine the what all those fans went through? And for it to end the way it did on a field goal, if he misses the field goal, it's a tie, and you miss the playoffs. That would have been an all-timer in terms of fan pain. I mean, that
5: was that was an all-timer. Just thinking about it. That that puts the Steelers into. I mean, man. So they are
1: going to enter the playoffs as underdogs because they're just they're. Let's face it, not a very good team. But credit to Mike Tomlin and credit to T.J. Watt. Uh, I guess you give Ben some credit because he did uh, have the big fourth down conversion there that set up the field goal that allowed them to advance. He's running on empty, uh, and yet now he's uh, wandering like a a walker into the uh, playoffs. It's pretty crazy to see that it's the Steelers who come out of that division with the Bengals because they so clearly felt like the fourth best team for much of the year.
5: Yeah, this is... I don't know if this season... You know we needed a seventh afc team but this is how uh it works <laughs> it works out some years uh credit to Marquise brown too for dropping that touchdown in the end zone um late in the game it was right in his bread basket you know, that he's probably probably would have won the game there
1: T- talk about anyway. it he, he's almost like the uh embodiment of the raven season starting so well and promising and cratering in the end so Tough year for the Rams. They'll be back with Lamar Jackson, assuming his ankle's better by week one next September. I don't know. That was a weird injury, the way it it all played out. But uh, the Steelers move on. Who do the Steelers have again? They got...
5: The Chiefs. The Chiefs. The Chiefs. Who who obliterated them a couple weeks ago. Now, you know, these things have a way of surprising you. But just the way it all shook out, I feel like we got the most lopsided or less least interesting matchups possible. But but maybe uh maybe Raiders, Bengals, Steelers, Chiefs, Eagles, Bucks, maybe those will surprise me. Come on.
1: Do I have to watch a game of Nickelodeon, the cowboy game? The Niner Cowboy game? Just give me a heads up. <laughs> yes. I don't you do. have to. <laughs> no. I'm making you.
5: You know, Troy, Troy and Joe will
1: have that. <laughs> Alright, good. Just want to double check. I mean it's great for the kids and Nate does a great job with it and everything, but just wanted to make sure I wasn't getting Banged as an adult in a big spot there. Um, All right. So the Steelers advance. One more week of uh, the Ben retirement. One more week of stories about Big Ben. (laughs) The zombie Steelers live on. I cannot believe it. What was that, Ben? Wow, he even laughs like a zombie.
2: Let's not assume one more week. I don't want to jinx that and suddenly have it be two, three, or four. That's a fair point.
1: All right, so the Colts cannot take care of business against an AFC South also ran. The Titans also had a chance to uh, win in a layup, or so we thought. That turned out to be a challenge as well. Tannehill looks left, comes back to the middle, fires. Julio Jones, touchdown! Titans finally Julio for six. <laughs> Mike Keith with the call WGFX. The Titans clinched the top spot in the AFC for the first time in 14 years, beating the Texans 28 to 25 behind Ryan Tannehill's career high tying four touchdown passes. That was the 12th win of the year for the Titans. They locked up their second straight AFC South title last week. And they have the number one seed in the AFC for the third time since leaving Houston in 97. First time since 2008. Talked about that on a Thursday. They were one and done. So they're looking to change that up this year. They also get the first round bye, of course. Mark, this one looked like a laugher at halftime. But Houston and Davis Mills made Tennessee earn it in the end.
2: Yeah, this this grew fishy for Tennessee. I mean, they had a 21-0 lead at half. They had outgained the, the uh, Texans. 268 yards to 67. It looked like Houston was simply not going to be able to operate on any level. And then in the second half, Davis Mills, who, I mean, I think we've seen these halves from him where he suddenly gets hot, he's efficient, he can throw the ball really well, like just caught total fire. Danny Amendola caught total fire. I mean, this is like a team built of like, Expatriates and 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 people that had been essentially been written them off and the Titans like or the, the, the Titans in the second half opened with three straight three and outs and, and you really just were starting to wonder if maybe they get caught off guard here and I thought that Tannehill made one of the plays of the year and it was essentially a third and five where they were just searching for life. And he got whacked by this guy, Jacob Martin. It looked like he was going to go down. He escapes the sack and completed a 36-yard pass to Nick Westbrook-Akina, which helped set up the touchdown, their only score of the second half, and it was just enough to escape. So they did what they needed to do. It, it grew a little too close for comfort, but they are your number one seed.
5: It was a very Titans win. That play was awesome, by the way. I, know it's I thought it was tight. just – it showed me everything
2: about Tannehill. At that point that, of the game, yeah, yeah the
5: Titans over. Texans have
1: a chance. Yeah, so that was, I agree, that was the turning point of that game. And it is interesting to me that, and this is, I'm not factoring in any overtime minutes, and and we'd love to get Gravedigger on right now. Um, And 1,020 minutes of game time for the Titans in the regular season, uh, it took until the 1,013th minute for Julio Jones to score a touchdown. Uh, But he was a difference maker here. I think there were a couple games, Justin, where he was, a, a difference maker and my a couple. I mean, two. Uh, but yes. now now he gets two weeks. Uh, A.J. Brown gets two weeks. And most importantly, your boy, Derek Henry gets two weeks with Ryan Tannehill going into the playoffs with confidence. Where's your confidence level at one to ten about a deep playoff run?
4: <laughs> Lincoln,
3: probably like a nine ish. I mean, just watching the other AFC teams mm. today, it's like the Chiefs are clearly one of the best teams, and I think the Titans are the other best team, and I think a Titans Chiefs twenty nineteen AFC Championship game rematch is somewhat inevitable at this point.
1: Ooh, I like Ooh. the confidence I'm I, I that's a great point because I thought the same thing kind of looking at the AFC where the Bills have been a little wonky here late in the season and that you just wonder about what version of that team shows up. The Bengals are obviously the X factor here, uh, but you don't look at them as some unstoppable superpower. So the Titans, by virtue of having the advantage of a free pass to the divisional playoffs and the home home game, yeah, they're set up very well here in a conference that's wide open.
5: Well, in the way the seeds fell, and it's always dangerous to project out because either way they play the lowest seed. But I think if I was a Titans fan, I'd I would like the idea that you could avoid Kansas City and or Buffalo until the conference. That that if the seeds held, you get the Bengals, and I think that's probably your best possible uh, mm-hmm. matchup. But you also just, you know, mm-hmm. gave up uh, a huge comeback by Davis Mills in the second half. Yeah, I so, I mean, say, let's not, let's not beat our chest too much. I don't see a
1: free pass it, barring a <laughs> massive upset by the Raiders or Steelers. I don't see a free pass here. Once you get
5: to that uh, final oh, eight, no. but no free, no free yeah. pass. It's basically just, there was a scenario, you know, it could have felt different, I guess if that, if you somehow got stuck against the chiefs, but since they won Saturday, I guess you weren't worried about it. Right. If you had blown yeah, this game, basically.
3: I I think, like, you know, the Patriots have a pretty good shot to upset the Bills with Belichick just being such a great defensive mind there. That that would be a pretty good matchup for the Titans, too. The Bengals have so much trouble on the offensive line. Can they stop the run? I feel like once you get into the playoffs, the teams that can run and stop the run have such an advantage. And the Titans have been so good stopping the run lately and they, once they get Derrick Henry back, I mean, they've been running the ball well without Derrick Henry. So once you get him back, they should be able to continue pounding it. I think the second half today was, I mean, definitely discouraging, but it also gives you a lot of good teaching points for the next two weeks so you don't go into the playoffs too, like, overconfident or whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I hear you on that. Well, Wait, what, what's the, what are you laughing about, Mark?
2: I mean, I just, you know... I it it concerned me a little bit what happened in the second half, but I'm I'm with Gravedigger that like they are who they are. They've been really resilient, and I don't. There's no team in the league that would be helped more heading into the playoffs with a week off to get healthier.
1: And I would say I would guess Gravedigger, and you tell me if uh, my hunch is correct that all like the uh, bozos like me and and tens of thousands of other quote unquote uh, analysts of the field who were in love with the Colts this season. They go down in flames while you lock up the number one seed. So this feels like a pretty nice day for Titans Nation.
3: It was. I think Titans Twitter was, like, more excited to see the Colts lose than they were to see the Titans win because everyone kind of expected the Titans to beat the Texans, but nobody really expected the Jags to beat the Colts. Right. it's
2: It's been months of people, you know, telling you, Titans man, that, like, the Colts are actually the better team here. And it's like there is an aura of disrespect, I think, that fan base. You've won 12 games. You're the number one seed. Well, Are you, you better know, than the though, Chiefs? I don't know.
1: It's it's funny, like this is gonna sound like still trying to fight a battle that's already lost now. But like two weeks ago, that absolutely made sense. And it wasn't I don't know what happened to the Colts, but I will tell you one thing I did I did do. I dipped into the uh Colts subreddit just to oh, see no. what was going on. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. not not pleasant. So I'm sure the Titans, maybe Titans fan did the same thing, but you don't you you don't you don't you don't interact in that situation. You don't dare get into the uh, the the commentary and and rub in or anything. But you just if you want to check it out, lurk, I sometimes like to lurk uh, for teams that I dislike or teams that are going through something very painful. And I thought that was interesting.
5: is um, def- seven- definitely in there Like with a
1: bunch <laughs> of fake accounts
5: yeah. The Colts have seven Pro Bowlers And didn't make the playoffs,
1: that's crazy Very crazy, and the Titans are a team That says, hey, we, uh, we've we been overlooked Now's our time, so the stage Is set, good job for you uh, By you, Gravedigger, I'm sure the, the Metrics are rolling in over on The uh, Titans film Room Podcast, nailed nice. it You got one coming up? You got one coming up tonight or what?
3: Tomorrow. We'll record tomorrow. tomorrow.
1: Let's just get it up early, okay? Let's take advantage of the fan excitement, you know? You're right. You're right. We will. All right. Good stuff. All right. There you you go. The Titans take care of business. Uh, Let's now move. uh, And by the way, good for Davis Mills. He's fun to watch, huh? I don't know what happens next in his career.
5: but Nice little ball player. I noticed... um Quickly on the Texans that that they're considering moving on from David Culley, according to our NFL Network guys, and they sort of hinted that if they were moving on from David Culley, it would indicate that they're like confident in getting the specific person that they want, and it's Nick Casario. So you could try to guess; Josh McDaniels would be a logical uh, one. Bill Since O'Brien was like, was "Bill like- O'Brien
2: and Casario have links." <laughs>
5: <laughs> he was like in McDaniel's wedding, but I don't know. You never, felt- you never know. But it sounds like that that the bag job is in here. That they have someone that they right. they want to hire. Which I remember like banging
1: the drum about that in August. It always felt like Cully was set up to just be the patsy here. Uh, but for, to his credit, he didn't let the Texans become a laughing stock. They really did battle once they got their feet um, on the ground in about October or so. All right. Bad, bad juju if they fire Cully. I that get it. That feels but unjust also, to me. I mean, he's
5: really done a nice job for them. Right. The contracts put for in the coaches worst guaranteed. Of any coach. Unlike, um, I mean, it still would be a bad job and terrible. But unlike the players, the contracts are guaranteed. So that's an. He he got a five-year contract, which is wait a second. Surprising. See now I'm confused. So
1: and I know some of the, It's maybe standard for these guys to get five years or something close to it. But if you gave him a five-year deal and then he took that roster of nobodies and made them competitive week after week and made them get better as the season got along and then you fire him. it's almost like the texans don't have a clear plan what they want to do with their organization mm. i'm just that's just like a theory that i'm as uh, percolating in my brain that they might right. not know what the <laughs> hell they're doing
2: i think you're connecting some dots there in a in a wise way
1: <laughs> all right let's move to uh back to saturday where the Chiefs were looking to give themselves a chance to take that number one seed. It didn't work out, of course, but they did their part just barely. Lock
0: is... No, the
1: ball's out! The ball is out and picked up by the Chiefs!
4: Taking off is Melvin Ingram! They're chasing Ingram! He's at midfield! No, it's Dorian! It's at Nick Bolton! Nick Bolton at the 20! 10! 5! Touchdown! can city on a defensive score! Melvin Ingram knocked the ball out! Melvin Gordon the third
1: and it was picked up by Nick Bolton the rookie linebacker Mitch Holtis with the call WDAF what a dramatic play and I've been mixing up Melvin Gordon and Melvin Ingram on the show for about five years now they finally met up in a dramatic moment and it did not work out well for the running back Melvin at all On a day when the offense was held in check, it was once again the Chiefs defense that stepped up for the AFC West champs. champs. Melvin Ingram forced the Melvin Gordon fumble. Nick Bolton scooped it up, took it to the house. Game-swinging play, 28-24 win for Kansas City. As I said, at the time, it moved the Chiefs into the number one spot in the AFC. Titans took care of business Sunday, took it back. So the Chiefs, the number two seed, and they get... A nice matchup there, as we've said, against the Steelers on Sunday night. Now, Mark, news out of Denver after the game. It was reported the next morning that the Vic uh, Fangio is out after three years without a playoff trip, uh, and the Broncos, it seems, Mark, are trapped in a time loop right now, uh, and they are looking for a coach.
2: Yeah, and I think it's, you know, for whoever um, is interested in that job and um, becomes an interview candidate, like, there are questions, major questions around the quarterback situation. I mean, in in another world, maybe Las Vegas opens up too. you You've got a quarterback there, and, like, Denver has a huge problem to solve on that front. I don't know, you know, I mean, Vic Fangio, to me, is just the latest example of, like, I'd love to have him as a coordinator, but these teams that are built around, like, like an impenetrable defense – and not much else on offense um, are just, just seem doomed to me. That said, I mean like the Chiefs—they ran for like 191 yards on the Chiefs. That's the second time that's happened to Kansas City in a couple weeks now, and I'm I, a little concerned about that. I'm a little concerned about Tyreek Hill's heel. I mean his health going into next week. But other than that, they're very explosive, and I think we're looking at a Chiefs team that's going to be very, very tough to a very tough out.
5: Yeah, they, they are, and yet this was a bummer of a week. I think they had a, a really bad week because Hill got hurt in warm-ups. Him and Kelsey haven't done anything the last two weeks combined. Kind of had the ball forced to them. Damian uh, Williams, who's been really good, was banged up in this game. Edward Zolaire is out right now. And their cornerbacks are just playing like this man. I guess they've been playing man coverage and being that aggressive all season, but they've gotten roasted in the last two games the only reason it didn't come back to haunt them in this one is drew lock just you know couldn't connect on on a lot of these passes and the broncos couldn't quite make them pay but i i think that could that could be a problem in in some playoff matchups and offensively it was like it was the story of their season basically wrapped into one game The the chiefs only had seven drives in this game essentially they averaged 10 plays a drive in those That's that's outrageous. They averaged 10 plays a drive. Um, And so it's not like the Broncos were stopping them, but it was just like endless seven-yard throws from Mahomes. So he had to throw a lot of passes to get to where he was at, and they ended up needing a defensive score to get it done.
1: Listen, the Chiefs win 12 games. They win their division. They very nearly get the number one seed. So on some level, they did what we expected the Chiefs to do. But I've never... In the last, you know in the Mahomes era, I felt that they're as vulnerable as they are this year, just because you know Patrick Mahomes averaging six yards per attempt is something that's happened too often this season. And yeah, I think the injury to Tyreek Hill is, is major, and it really puts a lot of pressure on guys like Nicole Hardman and Byron Pringle and Travis Kelsey uh, to step up and be special. So while I think you know they're set up to you know get through the first round, certainly. I think they'll take care of business there. After that, I, I see it as being pretty much a crapshoot, you know, in the AFC because the Chiefs just, they've shown us too much, too many times this year that they are capable of becoming, being very, very uh, human and vulnerable on any given week.
2: Would it Although be a shock, this- though, if they went on like a three game tear? I mean, I'm with you, like, they've just not been the old Chiefs in various ways all year, but. I mean, what if suddenly... I would have put it past them. I mean, they went to the Super yeah. Bowl the
1: last two years and won the la- the first time, so yeah. But at the same time, like that would also be maybe a break from who they've been for most of the season.
5: Right. I thought Mahomes had played his best three games of the year in terms of a stretch in a row leading into this game. And he, he played well. He played fine in this game. It wasn't really on him. Uh, it was more the offense around him. They did have a great Sunday, though. Getting the Steelers instead of the Chargers... To me, if you're if you're a Chiefs fan, that is a pretty big difference. <laughs> difference. I mean, for us too, right? Mahomes Mahomes said after this game, we're still looking for that complete game, and I laughed because he was removed from the Steelers game a couple weeks ago with a thirty to three lead with thirteen minutes left, or thirty three to three lead with thirteen minutes. Left. I was like, well, that wasn't a complete game, right. why? Because Henny didn't, you know. The, it's like, well, we could have played a lot better when we were up thirty three to three against the Steelers. That's probably what he felt. It's also the middle of January. <laughs> it's like you're still
1: looking for the best version of your team. It might not be showing up. It may have already happened.
5: I, I, hate the, I hate the Andy Reid punts in opposing territories. It's two straight weeks where uh, <laughs> it could have hurt them. You know, you got Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. You're punting on fourth and five from the 40. Is like back-to-back weeks. It's killing me. Um, And
1: I think uh, with the Broncos, as they begin their head coaching search, it just feels like – you could hire whoever, but until they figure out this quarterback situation, we'll see what happens this offseason. Well, ownership
5: end. is a problem. Like it's it's the biggest um, question I think for any coach or anything going on. I mean, ownership right now is it's a legal fight. It's unclear who the owner will be for the next coach, but it's it's pretty clear that the current owner will not be the owner for very long for this new coach, assuming a new coach gets hired. So that that to me is very problematic that's
1: but
2: here's very hazardous like every everything you hear about where to go for a job like that's that's all bunch of red flags right there
1: right like if you how how attractive is this Broncos job they don't have a big time quarterback in place they don't have stability and ownership like they're not going to be able to get a top candidate it, it makes it makes me wonder if they would have knocked off uh, the Chiefs here whether the Broncos would have thought about keeping Vic around Knowing that as well because they're not they're not naive to the the fact that this is gonna be present a challenge for them um but they didn't get the job done. It's a story of the Broncos in the Fangio era uh good defense offense making big mistakes and killing them and I'll do it the last time, maybe on this show with Vic now out the door no longer in the big chair moment of silence for Vic followed by this.
0: And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
1: Josh (laughs) takes a snap out of the gun, steps up in the pocket, looks into the end zone, trying to fire it, going to keep it himself. Finally throws it late. It is caught in the end zone. No, it is incomplete. Stephon Diggs, I don't think he got his feet down in the end zone.
0: Yeah, this is this is essentially a four-point swing. If After you're able discussion,
1: to. it is a touchdown. Whoa. They don't have to challenge. You can talk them Buffalo. into it. Go crazy, Orchard Park. Let's go Buffalo, 27-10 over the Jets. In a game where the offense, once again for Buffalo... Had you scratching your head a little bit. Never really came together against the Jets, who entered the game with the 32nd ranked defense in the league. Uh, But it didn't really matter because the Bills' defense absolutely destroyed uh, the Jets' offense, holding them to wait for it. 55 yards total, the lowest total in the history of the New York Jets. Uh, 55 yards of offense. They somehow got 10 points out 55 yards. There was a, a fourth and uh, fourth down completion uh, from Zach Wilson to Keenan Cole that went for 40 yards for a touchdown. But that was about it. The Bills, so not very impressive uh, by a long shot on offense, but against a team like the Jets, you didn't need to be perfect. But that's too straight, Mark. That's two straight games going to the playoffs where, yes, you got the Ws against the Falcons and the Jets, but the Bills – attack wasn't in gear will they be able to flip the switch against better competition
2: well i i don't seem to have the same faith in buffalo that um that you guys do and so i i i view them as a team that's going to get picked off in the afc uh after maybe winning a game but i mean i feel like every time i looked up uh zach wilson was getting absolutely pummeled he was sacked nine times they were one for 14 on third downs and my one you know this isn't a jets conversation so much but that lack of consistency on what they've been on offense is concerning. I mean, Buffalo, I think, just played a discombobulated attack today, if anything.
5: Well, the Jets' offense has been you know, better the last couple of weeks, certainly last week. So to hold the Jets to 53 yards, the lowest in franchise history... I mean, they they get some credit for that, you know. It's like no one, no one else has done done that to them. That is outrageous. the The New York Jets have played a lot of football games to have this be the lowest amount in the history. Is there outrageous. was
1: a guy the Jets, and it didn't help that the Jets have miss, were missing all their wide receivers mostly. By the end of the game, there was this guy named Tariq Black on the field. And man, I'm a pretty big Jets fan. like I know this roster. I have no idea who that guy is. And he actually made a catch, and, and it was his first career catch, and that was good for him. but you know they missed they missed uh, between um, between the Elijah Moore, between Jameson Crowder, between Keenan Cole, um uh, the Tennessee wide receiver. it's late. Corey Davis.
5: They were, they were on their third left tackle. They, they were definitely shorthand. They
1: missed so many, they were missing so many guys. So none of this was very predictable. Uh, Zach Wilson did end the year without an interception in his last five games. Go build around the kid. Uh, now the, the Bills, good news also for the second straight week, 170 yards, uh, rushing. Uh, so that, that helps as well. Obviously, Devin Singletary showed some signs of life late in the season. So the running game is in a good place for them. Um, Josh Allen on the passing game, very up and down, uh, 45 attempts uh, against the Jets. Again, 32nd ranked in the league, worst defense in the league statistically, and he averaged a touch over five yards per attempt. So they got to clean it up. It wasn't very good weather there, very windy, uh, icy day, uh, so you got to factor that in as well. But take care of business game, but also I, I look at the Bills and I'm like, hmm, are you going into the playoffs in a good in a good place? I'm not I'm sure. You. I'm not I'm sure.
5: Right, but I, I think, and we'll we'll have all week to talk about it. I know it's getting late because um, because Emika's coming into the room now. We're taping in the bedrooms. So I think she's oh, just, like no. ready to go to bed. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I think they're happy to see the Patriots. I really do. Just I think just because it's like a familiar opponent that they just played their best game of the season against a few weeks ago not that that guarantees a victory just that like they know this they know this team they're I don't think they're going to be um, intimidated by it at all it's a very familiar opponent it's not like oh we got to go do a bunch of work to like figure out the Patriots you, well you know the they Patriots. know
2: they know they know Buffalo too right we'll see right
5: well, I, I think the Patriots are the I same feel like way we've it's been, a short week it's a Saturday this... game my point is they're just, like, familiar. I think both teams will go into and it. And, like, Mark, being, like, before
1: happy. you get 2 anti-Bills, because you're known to do this on the show, let's check in with what the Patriots did in their final That's game of the regular season. That's fair. We should. They throw it out to Myers. Myers is just going to run around with it. Touchdown. There you touchdown, go. Miami. And Glovin intercepted the pitch in the end zone. It's a fumble recovery, but it's a pitch. It's a touchdown. <laughs> Jimmy Cephala with the call. The Dolphins, man, they play well against the Patriots in their building, especially late in the season, it seems. They take care of business, 33-24 over the Pats. The Pats had to get a win and a Bills loss to take the AFC East. Instead, they get spanked here uh, by Miami, so they head into the postseason on a down note at 10-7. I believe they lost 3-4, Mark. To end the season so they and they enter the playoffs in a little bit of a, a funk too
2: yeah this was a an uncharacteristic patriots game sloppy uh they allowed the dolphins right out of the gate to go on a 13 play drive that saw Tua go seven for seven touchdown drive and then seconds later mac jones throws a pick six to xavian howard they're suddenly down 14 nothing Mac Jones lost a fumble later in the game. We heard that Jacoby Myers lateral disaster at the end that kind of sealed it. Uh, Duke Johnson ran all over them for 117 yards. The Pats gave up 195 on the ground. Jalen Waddle set the record for the most rookie receptions in NFL history. The Patriots were also banged up. Christian Barmore got hurt late in the game. Isaiah Wynn, their left tackle, left with an ankle injury. Ramondre Stevenson had a head injury. I mean, it just seemed to me their their worst performance in a while. And Belichick basically said, we played poorly, coached poorly, didn't do anything. Mac Jones said it was a super—he used the words—a super embarrassing performance on his own. Now, I think he made—Mac Jones made some pretty fantastic throws down the stretch, but they were—they they put to themselves in too much of a hole. And like you said, down in Miami— the Dolphins have somehow had their number in the last week of the season, and they did it all over again.
5: Right, and they did it in New England a couple of years ago too to to get that one take that one seat away with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, the injuries to me are the the biggest story. Like the the Patriots haven't looked like a world beating team other than against the Jaguars for a while. But you know, Barmore to me is their best defensive lineman right now. Judon's gone real quiet and made a lot of mistakes over the last month. Uh, and Barmore gets carted off. You're starting left tackle. Stevenson makes them special, I think, with the one-two combo with Harris. And so that, to me, is their biggest problem. Not, not even just that they're playing poorly, because I think they could bounce back, but those are three really important players for them. I'm
1: going to set the spread. This feels like a... Mm. They'll set it at Buffalo by three, laying that wood. That's my guess.
5: Uh, Four and a half.
1: Four and a half. Okay. All right. So they're giving the Bills a little more respect. Uh, But we'll see. Yeah, that's something to track here with the Patriots, where they're at. Injury-wise, let's um, keep moving on here and take care of the AFC by taking a trip. How land? Keenum play action fake. Steps in the
0: pocket. He's got a good pocket. He throws left. Landry caught it. At the five to the end zone. Touchdown. And the Browns go ahead 6-0. Oh,
1: yeah. Case Keenum. Getting it done. Two touchdown passes for the backup quarterback. In for Baker Mayfield after he underwent surgery to fix his body up. And the Browns. Hold off the Bengals 21-16. The Bengals who started Brandon Allen uh, rested a bunch of starters. They weren't really into playoff positioning. They chose to try to get healthy for wildcard weekend. So the Browns finish 8-9. and nine. Bengals 10-7. and seven. Browns go home. Bengals get the Raiders on Saturday in the West of for Adults game. Mark, <laughs> how you doing, buddy?
2: Um, I'm very. Did I'm you watch very, this game? I don't even
1: know. Do we have this eyes on this one?
2: You know how I'd like to have like 14 games up at the same time on yes. my screen. I have, yeah, it's very unhealthy. Yeah, it. It got the best of me today. I I kept an eye on it. Um, it just feels like anything in life that needed to end a couple months ago. The the watching the Browns on a weekly basis, <laughs> they've driven me nuts. Um, you know, I think one of the bigger news items over the weekend were these reports that. They are bringing Baker Mayfield back. That, that, that At least that's where we stand right now. It sounds like that, that whatever divorce we thought might happen will not be happening. So I, you know, I think it's just there's a lack of other quarterbacks to go look for. But what an uninspiring performance by them. And the Bengals, who would have thought three or four months ago come out as the much more electrifying team in Ohio. Um, it's been a depressing year for Browns fans in every possible way.
1: And we'll yet, see like, about that Baker report. I wonder if uh, if it's it's a done deal or that's just, like, the starting point in this story and right, Browns that's, kick the tires. You it, know? Could I think this, it could change. I think this
5: January thing, it's always couched. It says they plan to move forward. Well, you got to put it out there like that right now because they, they probably do not like the idea of what's happened in the last week, which is that, like, there's a good chance that he's going to be traded. That hurts their leverage. They have to start it at the point where – of course we're okay keeping him or they're already like starting any trade talks at a disadvantage. And they want him to believe that they're keeping him too, because that's obviously a a possibility, but you don't have to worry about it now. I did see like a headline. I didn't read it, but one of the local Browns papers is just like that said, you know, case Keenum gives them solid play, solid quarterback play in this game. They could have used solid quarterback play over the last six weeks. And I, and I do Think that's a fair thought that you do wonder what this season could have been like with with a healthier Baker or just with Kate, Case Keenum over the last six weeks because as as bad as the season it was it was you know they're one game out of the playoffs it wasn't that that crazy well I mean
2: Dan has been pushing for them to put Keenum in for two months and I think you know in the final analysis there's a strong reason to think that things could have been a little bit different all they needed to do was score another touchdown in a couple of these games I mean they they were competitive but. Quarterback play was a major, major issue for them.
1: Um, all right, so there we go. We'll, we'll be talking about the Browns offseason plans. We'll be talking about what happens next with uh, all the teams that move on from their head coaches a little later in the week. Uh, but that wraps up the AFC. Let's take a break here and move on to the NFC.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.
1: But there's a whole other conference we're going to dig into now, figure out how the playoffs all shook out. No better place to start than right here in Los Angeles, where the Rams and Niners did battle in a classic. Hit it, Ricky.
0: Stafford back on first down, throws a deep one down the right sideline for Odell Beckham Jr. Intercepted by Ambry Thomas. Ambry Thomas takes it away. The Rams only have one timeout remaining. The 49ers are going to win the game in LA and they have won the game. They are
5: going to Dallas, Arlington, Texas next week to end it.
1: Greg Papa with the call KNBR Embry Thomas. The rookie closed it out with the interception of Matthew Stafford in overtime overtime allowing the San Francisco 49ers to defeat the Los Angeles Rams 27-24 at SoFi Stadium. SoFi Stadium that was packed with Niners fans. I mean, that was, that told you something right there. In this game, Greg, the Niners overcame a 17-0 first half deficit. They took the game over in the trenches, gave the lead up again. But they kept coming back, and they close it out. They're going to the playoffs where they'll face the Cowboys next week in Dallas. The Rams, even though they lose, still win the NFC West because the Cardinals gagged, and they will uh, host the Cardinals next week. Crazy game, fun game, lived up to the hype, Greg.
5: Yeah, I can't think of many cases of a team— Forcing their way into the playoffs with a more stirring win than this. To be trailing 17 points in the second half. And, you know, we, we know that the 49ers needed this win because of what happened in that Saints Falcons game to get into the playoffs, to come all the way back, to need a, a touchdown drive that going the length of the field to tie it, to force overtime with no timeouts to get it, uh, is one of the moments, obviously of the Kyle Shanahan era of Jimmy Garoppolo's Career and to me, one of the worst moments of Sean McVay's coaching career because I put a lot of this game on the way he handled the last couple of minutes.
1: You're referring right. to after the touchdown to tie it, I assume at 24. The Rams get the ball back with some timeouts and a little bit of time.
5: No, I'm I'm talking about when when they have the lead and they're near midfield. Uh, what is it, 24-17, right? Under Mm -hmm. two minutes to go. You bring in Matthew Stafford. You need one first down to end the 49 er season, to end this five-game streak. And what do you do? You call three straight runs, the third of them on third and seven with total give-up play. You know it's not going to get it. You are choosing at that point on third and seven that you would rather take the final timeout from the 49ers then give yourself a chance to win it was an unbelievable Herm Edwards moment topped um uh, a few seconds later or a few a drive later when it's 24 all and yeah they get they get the ball to the 37 or so Matthew Safford is sacked with about you know 13 seconds left and he let the time click off. That wasn't as bad to me as the three straight runs, but that was insane too. They had time for at least two plays and they were only 25 yards away from field goal position with the Pro Bowl kicker. That was a hundred percent Sean McVay like losing his his nerve or his mind a little bit and not thinking clearly. Cause I bet if he could have, especially that last sequence over, he would absolutely take a timeout and not tell his offense that we're giving up. We're not going to give you a chance to make a play. It's unreal, man. Oh, I was, I was blown away by it.
1: Can I just mark right. before I throw it to you? I'm going to uh, play the other side of this. I didn't hate the move to run the ball three times there. You had um, gotten a huge interception. Then your offense went down the field go-ahead touchdown, Niners come on the field, you get a three and out, and McVay then had a decision. He felt like his defense had settled down, and he said, we're going to play ball control, we're going to kill the timeouts, we're going to like take this thing down uh, to a minute and a half to play and force San Francisco to go 90 yards against my defense that I trust and believe in,
5: filled with all these stars, and they totally gag. You, you, I- can, you can trust it uh, when you don't pick up the first down by trying to throw the ball. He's just, he's just like... So unbelievably that's conservative not, in these situations. I understand that.
1: I understand what you're saying. He's conservative The situation there, wasn't
5: changing. All it was that, was taking a timer out or two away. Okay, The, the no, clock wouldn't change. Listen,
1: Nothing would change. I know it all looks like the timeouts didn't matter because they went right down the field. But the fact that they really put, they had to go 88 yards without a timeout. Now, Mark, they did it. And I just, I guess what I'm saying is, I understand your side of that, Greg. But you basically, McVay said, I trust my defense to not give up a touchdown here. And I thought they gagged in a big spot.
2: I'd love to hear what he has to say about the, the sequence that you, that you mentioned Greg as well. I mean, I, this is a team that has been totally owned and a coaching staff that's been totally owned by the Niners. And, and we, you know, we knew that coming in. And I, I, I thought that this came down to so many impressive individual performances on both on from both teams. Honestly, it was one of the games where it's like, I know we have like 22 games of the year. It was one of the most enjoyable football contests that we've seen this season. And it stood out in a big spot And for me, I mean, Jimmy G, for all the stuff that Garoppolo's gone through this year, this offseason leading up, that was a signature moment and a signature drive by him. And it was just guys like, you know, all sorts of Niners players stepping up. I love that they did not abandon who they were when they were down 17-0. They came out with that 10 play, 10 straight runs, then the Debo Samuel touchdown pass. I mean, it's like they, to me, that would have been a big spot for them to get away from their identity lose themselves a bit, and the Rams capped the thing. I mean, the Rams looked more like the Niners the way they opened it with a 13-play field goal drive, a 12-play touchdown drive. The Niners were in deep space early on in this thing and did not flinch. I'm I, the better, i so glad that they made it into the postseason because the way they're coached, the way they operate, they're imperfect, but they are going to give the Cowboys a test. Hmm. They make the NFC well, the playoffs. Uh, our what Super Bowl
5: picks are alive, Mark. You know, we picked the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. It's still alive. Well, I'm not surprised that, you know, that that's come to fruition. <laughs> Although you jumped um, off it halfway through, I remember. The, so anyway, don't, don't
2: worry about that.
1: The San Francisco 49ers make the <laughs> NFC way more interesting uh, in the playoffs here. We'll get to the Saints later. Kudos to how they finished their season. They deserve a lot of credit considering everything they were up against. But I think the 49ers have a chance to go through that conference if if they get hot. And I, And, yes, I agree totally about Garoppolo. I think... He is a guy who's a bit of a punching bag. Um, I certainly have not always been very high on him. I thought they were cooked when they were down 17 nothing and he seemed to be not playing at a high level with the bad thumb and everything. And he made so many big throws down the stretch. And I thought that that drive that that we were just talking about when McVay decided to punt it away and take the timeouts away and put it in Garoppolo's hands and say, this guy's not going to beat us. And he just he carved him up. It it wasn't even competitive. It was five plays, 88 yards, and 61 seconds in a tie game. And, I mean, so much of that goes back to, I think, he's not in the – Cooper Cup, I think, is the offensive player of the year. I think Cooper Cup is a very good chance of – or should have a good chance of winning MVP. But if you watch Debo Samuel – every Sunday this year. This guy is unbelievable what he brings to this team. As long as he stays healthy uh, and Brandon Ayuk stays on the field and George Kittle's around with that running game, I think this team really is dangerous. Uh, Samuel was dominant in many ways today. I I also
2: think that Samuel, like, there are a lot of divas in this league that would not accept the role that he was put into where suddenly you're becoming a running back. I mean, when they scouted him, Shanahan, they talked about the game that Shanahan saw those qualities in him, but he is an unselfish player who is incredibly dynamic and they trust him to do so much. And he's an absolute raging star for this team.
5: Right. The, The two big plays on that drive was Ayuk to start it for 21 yards. Uh, making a great play after the catch and Samuel making an even better play, a perfect throw from Jimmy G. But then Samuel makes it special going for 43 yards after the catch. Like I think a lot of quarterbacks could succeed in this situation and, and they overcame Jimmy G's two <coughs> interceptions here. Um, but I, I guess I'm being hard on McVay because it's the biggest moment of the season, right? And he lost his composure. He, they took two timeouts on defense in the overtime, we haven't even mentioned overtime, which the 49ers go down, get get a, a field goal, uh, the, the Rams do stop them in the red zone, and then at that point, the Rams have to go score a touchdown, because a tie, you know, what's the point of a tie in this situation? Really, you want to knock the 49ers out of the playoffs, and the, and the 49ers would have made the playoffs with a tie. They didn't have any timeouts left because they had used their two timeouts in like totally bizarre situations before that on one of them including right before the kick which it just i guess it was just like a a, a straight I don't know if it was a la raville but it was I think one of his worst moments in terms of mcVeigh at the end and and a lot of people are going to get on Stafford, too you have you had the interception while the 49ers are making that comeback it was a little bit of an arm punt but it was a bad throw uh and then you finish with with how they finished, which was like one of the worst series Odell Beckham could have possibly had it appears that he ran the wrong route on the first uh, snap, got in the way a cup. And then Stafford has a bad throw to, to OBJ, who, who did stack the cornerback it was behind him. So it was more on Stafford there, but it was just like a I bad know, but sequence I also, in general. I
1: know this isn't a popular take because everyone's always defend Odell to the end. But I, can you compete for that ball there a little bit more? I don't know. It was over- underthrown, but he well, just kind of he healed didn't, yeah, off. He,
5: well, I think one of his issues a lot of the time is he doesn't locate the ball like quick enough in that situation. He just didn't see the ball clearly. I mean, he was behind the defender, so it's tough to really put too too, too much on him um, when the quarterback under- underthrows it. But does he have the play before? I mean, that was three straight incompletions to Aldo Beckham to finish that game. And it, this game mattered for the Rams. I know they won the division anyways, but they're now the four seed. I don't think the matchup is particularly harder in the first round. You know, you get the Cardinals, um, although who who would have they have had? They would have had the Saints, so the matchup is much harder. Yep. They would have had the Saints as a two-seed and a possible home game in the divisional round, and now instead you've got the Cardinals, which is a tougher wild card, and you're going to be, if you win, going on the road to Lambeau in the second round. That's a I big think difference.
2: W- one little thing about the Rams, I thought that they, in the second half especially, in the th- first long stretches of the third quarter, their offensive line, which has, you know, I think there were doubts about their O-line coming into the year, but they've, they've done a commendable job overall. But I thought they were dominated by the Niners front. Uh, they went into overtime with Stafford taking five sacks. At one point, he looked injured. I just think this team, like we've seen their high moments. You kind of could project them to go to the Super Bowl. But I also think that they've got a bit of a tight butt situation heading into the playoffs based on this game. I mean, it's it's – it seems like every couple of weeks there are doubts surrounding the Rams. It was their toughness. It's can Stafford get out of games without multiple interceptions and turnovers. And now you've got this thing with Sean McVay. And I just I, they're, they're, they've got a lot to answer for a week from now.
1: And yet they are the NFC West champions. And they will be playing at home next week against a fading Cardinals team. Fading is the way to describe them. Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals who had a chance to steal the NFC West if they could just beat the six uh the seven excuse me the six and ten seahawks in their own building they couldn't do it russ takes the snap hands to penny he gets a backside cut he goes
4: across midfield down to 40 he's gonna outrun him 30 20 10 15 10 5 he is in touchdown seahawks rashad penny was going so fast He was crossing yard lines that I didn't
0: even see. (laughs) 62 (laughs) yards ran away from the defense. Rashad Penny, what a day.
1: Steve Reibel, K-I-R-O, with the call. Man, Rashad Penny, former first-round pick, all but forgotten as injuries derailed his career. He was a monster down the stretch uh, for the Seahawks. He ran for 190 yards, and that score, Russell Wilson threw three more touchdown passes. Averaged over nine yards per attempt. And the Seahawks knock off the Cardinals 38-30. to 30. As I said, Arizona still goes to the postseason, but they limp in as the number five seed for their matchup with the Rams. The Seahawks go home, but they at least
5: resembled themselves down the stretch. Uh, Greg,
1: how did this game play out?
5: It played out like uh, the Seahawks were the playoff team. I mean, they just look like a better team. The Cardinals, to me, were lucky to be in this game towards the end at halftime, it was 229 yards for the Seahawks, 86 for the Cardinals. It took a Gerald Everett drop in the end zone, wide open play, which is kind of been unfortunately, his specialty this year, uh, and a Chandler Jones force fumble that turned into a, a touchdown uh, by the Cardinals' defense on, like, the second play from scrimmage uh, to keep this thing close. But then the, Car- the Cardinals come all the way back in it, and you think that they've righted the ship. Um, but Seattle's offensive line was, like, great. Down the stretch. I mean, they were like opening up holes for Rashad Penny. Uh Wilson was about as explosive as I've. I I've seen him uh this season in terms of like evading defenders. It was a lot of just Russell Wilson improvising as he runs around and statement on Rosenthal in a oh, lot yeah. of ways. He um I don't know. Like, you, you looked at these two teams. I think they caught the Seahawks at the wrong time. But I went into this game thinking the Seahawks are just a better team right now that they've played their best lately. It's mostly because of their offense. And the Cardinals are are a bit of a mess. I mean, James Conner got hurt right at the end of this game, too. I don't know if it was serious, but he converted a third and 18 run uh, and then left the game after that. And that, that got me worried because he, he made a big difference just by being out there t- today.
2: I worry about this team, this Cardinals team. They just, it's just been a month straight of confused offense. Uh, you know, they're banged up. Uh, their their defense, which used to be such a difference making unit, um, you know, they had a big play that what was at a near pick six today that put them in deep in, Car- in Seahawks territory. But I mean, Rashad Penny has kind of made it impossible to deal with the Seahawks, too. I mean, they caught him at the wrong time. They just caught him at the wrong time. And I don't, I just, I, like, look at the Cardinals. And they don't seem like the team they were two months ago. And yeah, Kyler like Murray you- is so visibly frustrated today. He just seems – something's He's not sl- right. He
5: slammed his helmet yeah. on the ground sitting right next to the coach. I was wondering if that was because they didn't go for it on fourth and short or whether he just was frustrated they didn't pick up the third down. Because the- – like- they did go for it earlier in the game in a similar situation.
1: Because we can say that they caught the Seahawks at the wrong time, but it's like, man, you, if you're if you're any good, you're the Cardinals in that spot in Week 18, and you see the scoreboard, what's going on in in uh, Los Angeles? You should be able to take care of business. So I think when you look at the arc of their season, as disappointed as the Rams are tonight, even as uh, division champions, you love that you have the Cardinals coming into your building. Um, you probably would have liked it better if it was maybe the Eagles or the Saints, but it would have been the Saints. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're feeling pretty good because you're like, okay, we can kind of reset things. We get a team that seems to be free falling out of the mix. Now, of course, this is the NFL and nothing really makes sense. And if Kyler Murray, uh, goes off for four or five total touchdowns next weekend, that wouldn't be stunning either. But I think at this point, we've seen enough from this offense really since Kyler came back, um, to say that is this going to be ever an explosive
5: unit again for the rest of the year? Right. No, they I mean... had a 19-play, a 10-minute, 41-second drive that didn't even reach the Seahawks' red zone, which, which is like an anomaly, but it also, to me, spells out how unexplosive this offense is. Like, each one of their receivers, Kirk... Green and Wesley like made backbreaking mental errors in this game, and they're not, it's not like they're making up for it with, with great explosive plays.
2: No, they had six drives go for 17 or fewer yards. I mean, it's just completely counter opposite to the first encounter with the Rams where they won, I think it was 37 to 20, and put up nearly 500 yards of offense. This is a different team right
5: now. Well, they have two big weaknesses right now. Their offensive line cannot protect Kyler, he, he was a disaster to, and again, I, I really think the Seahawks are playing well. Like, they, they it, it took too long, but they've looked quite good over the last month or so. Um, and their cornerbacks are really injured where they're playing two practice squad guys. And if they, if they could get healthier for next week, that would help. But if not, the Rams, uh, as you said, Dan, have to, have to love that match. But and I do wonder if this, it shouldn't matter in, in theory, but I do wonder if this, uh, last couple of games helps Pete Carroll keep his job. You would think it would. I just, I could you just, totally would think it that.
1: Would. I mean, and as much as, from the outside, we all think, oh, man, this Carroll thing has kind of run its course in Seattle. Well, they have a long track record of success there, even if there's only one ring. And the fact that they end strong, if him and Russell Wilson are in good terms, I would think it's more likely it comes, by, Mike, comes back, both of them, I should say. Mike Garrafolo reported uh early this morning that the Se- Seahawks have no plans to trade Russell Wilson um this off-season. So I guess now it be- becomes, if, if that report checks out as true, do they bring back Pete Carroll? I I think they will, but
5: right because who are the Seahawks that are not planning? Uh, you would assume that's John Schneider and Pete Carroll, and I, I think that's the bigger first question is if whether those two guys return or not. Well, and we, we we thought we get though. all these
2: anonymous reports by now, and there's just been not much heat around Carroll being just ejected, like playing well, out of
5: there.
1: Even well, but- in- even when the season's a, a wrap and they're out of contention, just like lighting up a couple opponents at the end of a, a season. I think that matters in terms of calming things down a little bit.
5: Right. If you look at their statistical profile, like in terms of points scored and the analytics and stuff, it's like they almost have the exact same team in yards for play, stuff like that. Yards for play allowed as they did a year ago. It was just like they, they won a lot of close games last year and they lost them this year. Um, one, one quick note though on not a lot of reports is there was one report that it was essentially. There's no which, which is essentially absolutely no one has any idea what Jody Allen is thinking. It's not like Jody Allen, who's you know the sister of Paul Allen, Microsoft heir, uh, is talking to literally anyone and, and is too involved. So I think everyone from Pete Carroll to Russell Wilson, which was the report, is in the dark and just is wondering what she's going. I mean, could to you do. pick Jody Allen out of a lineup? I couldn't. I I, I, I did not, know, not only her. do I
2: not know what she looks like. I don't. You know. I googled okay. her
5: recently just because I was curious about this very yeah, thing. And I was like, who? What is? Jody? is because I didn't know if Jodie Allen was a man or a woman. That was the problem, um, and it is a woman. Remember so, the movie Dave? Well, we've got we've got that confirmed. <laughs> Mark, remember the movie
1: Dave, where the the fake president comes to the White House, yeah. and he needs to learn about like everybody in the cabinet and all these things, and they actually have the cardboard cutouts, uh, so he could you know pass as the president. I do the same thing with all, not only ownership in the NFL, but also ex- high ranking executives and potential heirs, just so mm. I'm the best version of myself when I do this show. And well, you're I very suggest, diligent. Yeah. You're very Brad's, diligent. And I, and I, you, you know, I me.
2: could have, I could follow your path in that. And I, yet I refuse to.
1: Can, I mean, can you imagine? Cause it's not expensive, dude. Those cardboard cutouts that I get made for all these people, the Jody Allen cutout, that cost me $200.
5: You're, well plus it's so, LA, like you need to find a place for this. You know, it's like this is taking up a lot of your a rentals, lot of space. You know,
1: your your home ownership that you have now. Exactly. But it's all worth it to do this job the right way. Let's now move uh to Greg's darlings, the Saints, who are not playing next week but they did their very best to get there. Out of the eye formation. Fakes the handoff play action. Taysom looking to the far side, complete to Troutman. Troutman makes the completion, and it's a touchdown. Adam Troutman on the far side. Caught it in about the three, and then headed right for the pylon. Touchdown, New Orleans. Taysom Hill, he was looking good on Sunday in Atlanta, throwing a touchdown pass, driving the ball with accuracy. He has to leave the game with a foot injury. Trevor Simeon comes in. He throws a couple touchdown passes. The Saints cruise 30-20 to 20 over the Falcons. We now welcome in the pipe. Nick, Shook, and Shooky. The Saints needed help here. They needed to win, get to 9-8. They took care of their business. Then they needed the Rams to take care of the Niners. Unfortunately, that 17-0 lead in Los Angeles didn't hold up, so the Saints go home. But really an impressive close to their season.
4: It was impressive, and I think it was appropriate in the fashion that they did it because they lost Taysom Hill to injury and had to turn to Trevor Simeon to finish this one out and finally got Alvin Kamara going for the first time in about a month. And yet, after putting together you know one of their more complete performances, especially in the second half of the season, they end up sitting at home because... Like you said, the 49ers were able to beat the Rams and knock the Saints out of the playoffs, and, and it and it really speaks to you know for them from a season long perspective, a team that was hand that was dealt a tough hand. Managed to fight through a lot of it, but ultimately that is what sank them. The fact that they couldn't win games. They couldn't win a game last week that they desperately needed to win. That type of situation, uh you know, undercutting them and keeping them home uh, for the first time, you know, in five years and, and you know, the first year of the post Drew Brees era ending in disappointment for them, even though they played well.
5: Hmm counting on the Rams, you know, it's like the Rams have broken the saints hearts uh, a few times, uh, the last few years. I mean, they had the score bug of the Rams game in the corner of saints Falcons this whole time. So, you know, you're seeing it's 17, nothing. And then you're seeing it's, you know, 24, 17 with under two minutes to go. It looked like the Saints are in the playoffs. And Trevor Simeon is probably starting that game because Laura Oakman on the sideline reported it was a Liz Frank injury for Hill, Taysom Hill, which was so disappointing. He was playing really well in this game, throwing it well, as you mentioned, Dan, and running it. And I and I know the better, more compelling team made the playoffs. I think that ultimately it's better for the overall product. But I actually think the Saints would have been a problem for the Rams I, I, if they had a t- healthy Taysom Hill, especially. Uh, this team was just like one of the only defenses that mattered, and they finally were getting some playmakers to make some plays in this game in in the last couple weeks.
4: Yeah, I mean, it was... Like I said, they got they got Camara going. Their defense has played well for a long time. The Falcons were playing just letting it fly because they had nothing to lose, and and it made for an interesting game and an entertaining game. But yeah, like you said, you know it's 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 disappointing because they would be kind of a tough out just because of the defense that they've had for the majority of the season would make even the highest powered offense still kind of struggle at times in a playoff setting. But you know, hey, I, this is, this is the value of a quarterback like Drew Brees. I hate to say it, but like, you know, the first year you go into a season without him, you end up starting four different guys. You know, Jameis gets hurt and gets knocked out. It throws your entire plan, uh, off kilter and, and you're forced to kind of roll with the punches. And you know, I give them credit. I mean, even today they fought through and played a good football game. It's just that all those issues compounded and, and ultimately they, they lose by, you know, they lose out in the playoffs by the skin of their teeth and they're, I think they're back to the drawing board because, you know, if we look at them long term, which I, we have months to discuss this, but is Jameis Winston the guy? I mean, you know, they were all right with him. They, they were probably in a better situation than they were with any of the guys after him. Um, Taysom Hill, you can make an argument in, in the opposite direction, but this is, this is how important a quarterback is. Well, and they, they, they were, you know, they basically go into the offseason with
2: similar questions they had last offseason and it's one of the bigger off seasons in the NFC. And I don't think that the wise maneuver would be to settle with the same group of quarterbacks. I mean, I don't, you know, it's not going to be easy to find someone else at this point as the Russell Wilsons don't get traded in X, Y, and Z. But I mean, from a Saints angle, you'd have to say Sean Payton did an awesome job this year. They 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 other coaching and other coaching staffs would have crumbled with what was what they faced but they but they cannot go do all of this again next year with with completely depleted cast of characters on offense and a clown car of quarterbacks who are not ultimately the right guy. I,
1: I agree with you. Clown car, I guess, is a little strong because Winston was okay. He wasn't terrible before he got hurt. He had moments for sure. But I, I tend to agree with you that I think they're going to... Peyton's going to certainly, I think, kick the tires and see if he can upgrade the position because to work this hard to get to 9-8... and eight, I don't there's like kind of a standard that they've set in New Orleans that they view themselves as a team that should be in contention for the Super Bowl every year and they and they weren't Kamara by the way 30 carries for 146 yards. That, that is not very, that's not the typical Camara uh, workload that he's had in the past. I wonder, uh, what his workload will look like going forward if they see him as that type of, let's use him as a bell cow or do they want to get the offense moving in a different direction where they could use him the way they did with Drew Brees more? Uh, that will be interesting to see. Anything on the Falcons before we kind of close the book on their season, Shook?
4: We give credit to Russell Gage for having a nice game today. Put together a highlight play, a little hur- a hurdle over a defender to pick up some extra yards. He looks good in the box score. I think season long the guy that stood out to me more than anything, I mean you can talk about Kyle Pitts. I mean he was, uh, you know, the a uh, top 5 pick. That's what you're expecting from somebody like him. I thought AJ Terrell took a ton of big steps in his second season. Um the the, the next gen stats love him. I mean he's he's a stud in that department and and I think he's on the course to to be a name that you're going to pay attention to in years to come as long as they can figure out some other things because he's developed into a, a pretty solid corner in only his second year. So there's some positives, and I love the way they played for Arthur Smith this year. It's just that they didn't quite have the talent to be able to get over the hump and into the playoffs. If they spend an offseason adding some talent, then this might be a team we watch out for. And, of course, you have to answer quarterback long-term, but we'll, we'll uh, cross that bridge when we get More to More
5: on ESPN reported they want Matt Ryan back and that they're planning to bring him back. I I tend to... You know write these reports on you know January ninth in pencil <laughs> It's almost like sending a message right. of like what okay we're here we're behind you, Matt Ryan. Um, but that it kind of makes sense to me because just because it's a pain they, they could add a rookie with him and it'd be a pain to get rid of him and I think he played pretty well this year
2: well the financials make it tougher than right. some have expected to just move on from him
1: and it should also be added here and maybe we'll get him on the show sooner rather than later but Steve Weish had uh, speculated uh, this past week that Calvin Ridley might be looking for a fresh start after this year where he missed most of the season uh, with what was termed as mental health issues so a lot of stuff to figure out with the Falcons, the Saints. Yes, they have a lot to figure out too, but they you know, they go out with their heads held high. Let's take a break and then hit one more game with Shooky.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you shotgun snap
1: lob down the left sideline evans is there he's got it that's touchdown number two that's touchdown buccaneers my goodness that doesn't sound like Gene Deckerhoff, does it? Anybody?
2: I I did not think it sounded no. like. Gene I mean, better. who knows? My goodness, the who knows? A nice touch.
5: I'm, I'm saying, know. well, it definitely wasn't him, but maybe something popped up for old Gene today. You know, a lot of COVID opt outs lately.
1: W F U S. The call came from whoever it was. Tom Brady put the finishing touches on another fantastically successful season both individually and for his team throwing three touchdown passes in a 41-17 win over the Panthers who started 3 and 0
4: finished 5 and 12 but
1: Matt Rules coming back that's what we're hearing chucky
4: uh, you're not going to find uh, you could turn me a hater you could turn me whatever i am not a fan of matt rule and i think that The potential that was within this team, which really began in the offseason with the Sam Darnold experiment, which became an experience, uh, and choosing to go that route over, you know, I don't know, spending your first round pick on a guy like Justin Fields. Then into this season and and all the dysfunction they had offensively and how Darnold clearly wasn't the guy um, and wasting a defense that played really well at times. uh, It just, the combined product was not up to standard and not, it didn't fit for a guy in his second year who, Came in pretty highly touted and and spoke you know all the platitudes about building the program and we're going to do it the right way and everything else. It it hasn't you know showed the field. And and having said all of that, they had a seven nothing lead after the first quarter in this game. They they were playing pretty hard. It's not like they quit on the guy. It's just that the product over the entire season is just not enough for me. I think he should be gone. But if he's coming back, he's coming back and enjoy that Panthers fans and whoever you have at quarterback next (laughs) year.
1: Let's spin to the Bucks here because they finished 13 and 4. They won the South. They will host the Eagles, uh, next week. I think that is the plum game that any high seed wanted. You wanted to get the Eagles, who I think are going to be out of their depth, uh, next weekend. Uh, and, uh, this is a team that you have to give them credit, uh, Mark, because, uh, last month when they lose nine zip to the Saints and they lose half their offense to injury over the course of three hours, no. Were they dominant over the next three weeks? Did they almost get beat by the Jets? Sure. Did they lose Antonio Brown and that turned into a circus? Sure. But they closed and they stuck the landing by winning three straight to put themselves in good position here.
2: Yeah, it's the Tom Brady experience, too. I, I you know, Rewatching that Jets game, uh, just what he did at the end of that in that march and the way that they won that affair, it just reminds you that the, the ecosystem is going to be different with Tom Brady running the show. Uh, they're a low-drama operation. They They overcome this kind of stuff. I I don't know if I see them quite as starry um a prospect in the playoffs as I did a couple and even injuries aside just something about them feels a little bit off at times mm. but um <clears throat> I don't know I mean they they find a way like what, you're getting Rob Gronkowski putting up 130 yards I I to me it's like anything could happen in these playoffs because there is no true dominant team um I don't love the idea of them having to go into Green Bay for instance uh, but outside of that you know, I think that this is a team that's going to hit the NFC title game.
5: Well, Gronk, I mean, having that big of a game, what was it? 137. So that puts him at about 800 yards for the season over it. I mean, that is outrageous uh, at his age at this point. And the fact that in this game, they were down seven to three. I checked late in the second quarter. There was about a minute to go in the first half. At that point in the game, the Panthers had 12 first downs and the bucks had 2 the Panthers were putting it on him. It was like 190 yards to 40 and I'm thinking like, what a terrible way to go into the playoffs. And then I look up at the end and it's 41 to 17 and that's been kind of the story of these Tom Brady Buccaneers in general since he's gotten there. Like, You'll have halves like that and then the avalanche will come hit you and it doesn't matter that Cyril Grayson, who's been really good for them, gets knocked out with a hamstring injury and you're without JPP and you're without Shaq Barrett and you're without Levante David and those guys will matter in the playoffs. But like, at the end of the day, they put up 41 it's like it's outrageous it's outrageous
4: that's the thing is they they (laughs) tend to sleepwalk at times and then when they wake up you're toast no matter you know unless you've got a four touchdown lead you're pretty much toast I mean he's completing passes to Brashad Perriman and Ty Johnson and Cameron Brayton and Kashawn Vaughn Scotty Miller had a touchdown run (laughs) that's the thing You, you talk about all these injuries and how it might diminish their standing going into the playoffs so I don't know if they can do it they're missing a lot of guys it doesn't matter with Tom Brady at the controls. All you have to do is do your individual job, to borrow the phrase from the Patriots, do your job. He's going to find you, and more likely than not, you're going to score touchdowns, and they're still going to be a really tough out. Mm. So, you know, going into the postseason now, yeah, this is how you want to go in, of course, with a win like this. But this, more than anything, demonstrates to me that I don't care who they have out there. As long as 12's back there, they got a really good shot.
1: I I this cannot be hit hard enough, and I know we're we're kind of hitting on it a little bit here, but I'm going to hit on it directly. Tom Brady is five and a half years away from turning 50, and he just completed a season where he set a career high in his 22nd season, 21st season, uh, by throwing for 5,300 yards. He threw 43 touchdown passes. <laughs> he is, uh, depending who you talk to, the favorite or one of the favorites for sure to win the MVP. He is 44 years old. And I just, again, for me personally, my fandom, like him getting away from the Patriots has allowed me to like, not just wallow in the misery of him refusing to get old. And now I just get to enjoy it more because it's like, man, he just, he's doing it again. And that's why like Shook saying, even with all these injuries, if you have him back there and no one knows how to play in the playoffs more than Tom Brady and you just do your job, yes, I absolutely could see them being a Final Four team in a few weeks. Hashtag gradual
2: decline. <laughs> Incline. In the,
5: in, the, uh, in the OL, the offensive line, which is among, if not the best in the league, is healthy, and so that's really important. One very quick point, just because there's so much news out there today with all these reports. I I do wonder if Matt Rule is 100% back. Jay Glazer reported that he'll be back if he hires a rock star offensive coordinator our our guys said that the search essentially for a rock star offensive coordinator is coming. Like he's going to hire maybe a former head coach. Like Bill O'Brien was one name thrown that's out there. With, I don't think he would be a rock star. Um, he does have a great relationship with Deshaun Watson, a quarterback that they're going to pursue. So you wonder if that's a factor. Uh, but the way Glazer said it, like if, if his status is dependent on like what happens with this coordinator hire. I, I don't think his status is 100% guaranteed here.
4: Hmm. i got to give David Ely a hat tip, noted Panthers fan, because the Bill O'Brien thing, he said, well, if they hire Bill O'Brien, they're essentially just hiring their interim head coach. <laughs> right. If <laughs> right. that's the state of things, that's, that's what you're setting <laughs> right. yourself up for. How many right. star
2: offensive coordinators are there? I mean, I think they thought they had that with Joe Brady. Yeah, they just fired one.
1: Right. right. And I and for people who have lost uh, track of the Bill O'Brien uh, carousel, uh, he is the offensive coordinator of Alabama, which is a celebrated and highly successful college football program.
5: It has a
4: big game FYI. on Monday night. So, yeah.
2: yeah. And he's interviewing for the Jaguars head coaching job as well.
1: So
4: he's the latest product of the Nick Saban coaching rehabilitation program. <laughs> there
1: you go. Shook. Uh we have reached the end of our time in the regular season with you. Uh we will absolutely love to have you on the show uh down the stretch and throughout the off season. But we want to thank you again for the vital work you do uh for our program on these Sundays, like filling in the gaps and not only just filling in the gaps, uh making the show better with your great analysis and uh genial attitude toward life.
4: Genial. I like that. Thanks yeah. guys. I appreciate you know, it's, it's been fun being on. You know, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me this whole season. All right. Been great, Good man. Really Good filling man. that gap. I mean, he, he
5: overfills it. Fill in the, ah, part of that
1: gap. the pipe. Now he's got to get back to the gym because the pipe never rests. Oh, that grunt. There he goes. The pipe out the door. We continue on now. So we're going through things. We're checking boxes. We're talking playoff teams. How about two more? This game played on Saturday, Cowboys Eagles. Dak Prescott, next touchdown pass would be the single season record and he's looking for it here throwing out to the left, it's caught and into the end zone, touchdown there it is, he finds
0: Corey Clement, an 8 yard touchdown pass for Dak Prescott his 37th of the season a new Dallas Cowboys single season record
1: Westwood won with a call there Dak Prescott threw a career high 5 touchdown passes and broke Romo's record there. He did it against Eagles backups, I should say, but it is what it is. Cedric Wilson and Dal- Dalton Schultz each had two touchdown catches, and the Cowboys closed out their regular season with their second 50-burger in three weeks against an overmatched division foe. Final score 51-26 against the Eagles, that a team that prioritized their health in the wildcard round over a possible better playoff seed. Now... All that said, that was a nice win, Mark. I think you and I were on the same page on the Thursday preview show that even if the Cowboys didn't make a big change where they ended up, and they are the number three seed, they will face the 49ers in what will be a very tough game for them. Uh, To go into the playoffs on a high note, uh, it helps. Even if it does, like in the back of my head, for instance, keep me wondering, is this team like, are they bullies? Can they just, they pile on and beat up against these teams that are overmatched And then kind of cower a little bit against real competition. Real competition's coming. We're going to find out next week where the Cowboys really stand.
2: Yeah, that'll be the acid test. But we basically ordered them, requested them to have an explosive finale. And they went and did exactly that. Now, I mean, look at the game. Some of these games where you've got people sitting. I get that that, you know, this is not where, where, where we're going to be a week from now. But... It showed Dallas flexing their muscles, and to me, it, it, does, it does bring more faith into, into their ceiling and what they can be. Um, I think they're, it's their defense, too. They're, just, they're a balanced team, and we've talked about how we feel about the Rams going in the way they have, um, the Cardinals fading fast. Like Any one of these NFC teams that can go in and light, up, light a team up, I don't care how it happened, the way that Dallas did it, it adds faith. And I, I think that they're a dangerous opponent. I, I think
5: they needed it for themselves. Cause they said as much. They just seem like a, like a, uh, a con, a team that has some confidence issues. They're like. Too high or too low, you know, they say, oh, don't get too high, too low. I mean, that, that's not the, what the Cowboys are. Jerry Jones likes to get too high, and they like to get too low. <laughs> and, you know, Dak Prescott did not want to say that he was having a slump or that he wasn't playing with confidence, but you could just see it on the field. And so I think they came out and did this because they felt it was necessary. You know, they played into the fourth quarter. Now, this game was tied seventeen all late, two. The, the Cowboys' offense was incredible the whole game. That had nothing to do with the offense. They just had only had the ball three possessions at that point, and they didn't have Tyron Smith and Tony Pollard, and they didn't have Micah Parsons either, so they were a little shorthanded. Uh, but the the Cowboys' starting defense gave up 17 pretty quick points, and it looked like a game for a minute and, until, until they took over.
1: Gardner Minshew started for Jalen Hurts, and yes, he did uh... – lead the team to some scoring drives early, kept them in the mix. I did like that story about Chu. I don't know if you guys saw this, that after the game against the Jets, he went into the coach's office and was like, Coach, I deserve the ball. I should be the starter of this team. I thought that was adorable. I he love is, this guy.
2: Look at he is a dangerous quarterback. I know that, like, well, I don't know if you're being serious, Dan. But, but, like, no, I, it's an
1: amazing move because, like, yeah it's one thing to be the backup quarterback and do your job, but like Jalen Hurts probably saw that story and he was like, what, what
2: it's a strange that would be a, office and saying, a strange I deserve one. to be the starter. That's a strange one, but he's got, he's got too much charisma. He can't be held down. That's Gardner Minshew.
5: <laughs> I kind of like their backups. They had some feisty backups. Huntley, Jason Huntley was fun. Tyree Jackson. who was I don't, what he used to be a quarterback. Uh, was kind of fun. Quez, Quez Watkins is fun. Uh, they actually, I think, got uh, some use out of this looking at all of these guys. They also had 12 players on the COVID list. I think they strategically told a lot of guys to take that test last Monday so that they could get their COVID list designation out of the way, which is just a bizarre thing that you have to strategize uh in 2022.
1: Coach, these fellas believe in me, and now I ask you to believe in me. Put me in, Coach. I will lead you to the promised land. <laughs>
5: Well, it didn't work. <laughs> it depends how he put it, because yeah, I think I think that could be kind of annoying. I've always held it against Drew Bledsoe a little bit. Um, the the report of how how hard he kind of uh, went went into the coach's room and tried to get Tom Brady out of there, uh, you know, when when Brady. Hey, was Skip. Doing well.
1: <laughs> Skip, I reckon Jalen might feel a little bit sore about this, but Skip. I got to stick to my guns and tell you how I feel, and I'm the best man for this job. Give me the ball. Coach. Well, I, wanna, I would
2: like to um, <laughs> see actual footage of how this went because it's turning into a folly very quickly. That's
1: I'm reading a transcript from uh, mm. Eye in the Sky within Nick Sirianni's
5: office. All right. Blake Darwin uh, is back, by the way. That's a nice little tight end duo you got with Schultz playing so well. And your guy, Cedric Wilson, Dan, had a monster game. I like though. they, they, they were, On paper, they're Gallup the best out. offense. On paper, they're amazing.
1: Do I have a Cedric Wilson connection that I'm un- unaware of? I don't
5: know. One show, you were just like, this guy is, is really <laughs> no, I, looking good. I am good.
1: fascinated. I'm always fascinated by the Cowboys. I, I like following America's team through uh, the good times and bad. They're just compelling. They have such a um, wide variance in terms of how this is going to play out. They could meekly go out next week in This was game. the worst
5: draw, wasn't it? This was the hardest match I think you so. could have possibly had, yeah. I, I think, think so. so. I think they could lose 31
1: to 17 next week. I think they could drop a 40-burger. That wouldn't stun me either in advance, but and and make a deep, deep playoff run. I think it could go either way for America's team. I will tell you this. It's going to do a big number that game. A lot of people are going to want to watch the 49ers and Cowboys. All right, let's uh move on now. Uh so yes, Cowboys and I should say, yes, the Eagles not You don't want to kill the Eagles, obviously, because they arrested a bunch of people. Not a great way to go into the playoffs. Never beat a team with a winning record uh, the whole season, at least the season ending with the team having a winning record. They now go to Tampa, and we'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm feeling pretty good about who I might pick as my lock next week. I'll just leave it as that. All right, <laughs> let's now move to Detroit, where the Green Bay Packers were looking to win their 14th game, but the Lions, they don't play, man. They don't play. Love works out of the gun. There's the snap. Love back. Love sets and throws over the middle. It is intercepted by the Lions. Intercepted down at the 43-yard line. Lions come up with a pick, and that's going to do it. Tracy Walker with that football. Dan Miller with a call. WXYT. Aaron Rodgers threw two touchdown passes in the first half. Set out the second half with nothing at stake. And the Lions getting that interception at the end of the game, beat the top-seeded Packers 37-30. That was Jordan Love who threw the pick. He threw two interceptions late in the game. Uh, But Green Bay's playoff positioning doesn't change. Unfortunately, Mark, the Lions, you know, one of those type of games. Great way to end your season. uh, But if they just would have done what they were supposed to do and get beat by the Packers, whoever the Packers are playing, they would have had the number one overall pick because of what the Jaguars did. Instead, they stay it to Kesarasara. You know what? I love it for them
2: though, because I they, they are playing so hard for Dan Campbell, and they just put everything out there today. I mean, they emptied the trick play compendium. They used all sorts of um, trickery on, on on Green Bay, and uh, they they have gone for it on fourth down forty times this season, which is the fourth most in the league. <clears throat> Excuse me. They just like uh
1: getting choked them. up, talking about the no.
2: I just have this hideous <laughs> cough. Three thirteen in one line. Uh, yeah. they, they, I mean, it's another game like before where you know Aaron Rodgers is out at halftime and Jordan Love looks you know like a non-starter to me. I mean, just is, does not have it at this point. I thought it was important for Green mm. Bay to get David Bakhtiari some snaps. Um, he left and went into the tent, but seemed fine. But I mean, just a little bit of playing time, he'll be huge for them in the playoffs. And Was Amin it related
5: Ross- the tent thing? Did they, did they have any? Yeah, he, he did his press availability afterwards and downplayed it. But yeah, it was an injury.
2: Yeah, but he seemed he seemed like uh unaffected by it later on. Amon Ross St. Brown for the Lions, they have a star, and I just I know that they lose out on the first overall pick, but you can see little pieces here. And again, I think that they have found the right coach. I mean, so it's I know the record is what it is, but they go into the
5: offseason with some optimism. Well
2: they well, the broke Jaguars- the
5: record for fourth down conversions. NFL record. Old nice. Dan Campbell. That's good. Throwing caution to the wind. The Jaguars, unless
1: they trade out of the pick, they won't be taking a quarterback. Obviously, so um, if the Lions, if things hold, the Lions could have the pick of any quarterback. Uh, we'll get into all that as as things play out. This isn't supposed to be a great quarterback class, but nobody knows anything, especially this time of year. It's not till the draft process plays out that you really get a a better idea of where the quarterback market's going to be. But it could be one of those. And this affects, like, if you're a Jets fan, too, for instance, with two first-round picks in the top 15. I hope this isn't one of those Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel drafts. Nobody wants that. Uh, no, we'll people see.
5: people like the talent. I think at the top of this draft, a lot of defensive. Right. Maybe players just not a good skill.
1: quarterback uh, class as as much. But anyway, so the Packers. I don't. It doesn't change. I don't know if you guys have any takes about the Packers. To me, for instance, they're going to still be number one in the power rankings. This doesn't change anything for me. And the fact that Bakhtiari got back on the field and got some reps, as long as the knees
5: holding up, that's all great too. Well, Josh yeah. Myers too. They're starting center, so that's massive. And I think that's why Rogers, you know, said he wanted to play. It is worth noting the Lions had the lead, you know, when Roger sat. So they had a halftime lead. It doesn't shock me the way the Lions have been playing lately that they would be competitive. Uh I don't yeah, I don't take too many to big takeaways. But I haven't been overly impressed with the Packers defense in the back half of the season. I actually think teams kind of built like the Lions with a good offensive line, a good running game like they they struggle to get off the field a little bit. This Packers,
2: yeah, they scored three out three on their first four drives. The Lions and they were legit drives. I mean, they just they look much much better than they had at earlier stretches of the
1: season. Is this the most successful three and thirteen year ever? I
2: think so because they're so fun to watch too. And again, it's they they kind of play with this um, daring do where again it's the fourth down attempts. It's this, go to check out some of the trick plays they pulled off today. And I mean I think that they they're a team that if you look at what they've done over the last month plus, I, I think they're on the right heading in the right direction. They nice have changes Durant. coming
5: too. They're getting rid of Anthony Lynn, their their offensive coordinator, who lost uh play calling duties about midway through the season. And for what it's worth, Dan Campbell took it over as the head coach and, and they their offense was a lot better after Dan Campbell took over.
1: Hey uh Greggy, you smell that? What's up? That's uh Mark Sessler. Predicting the lines to make the playoffs next year, and us hearing about it for two and a half months next summer.
5: I, I, I think he'll actually predict them. Yeah, he'll predict it in May. We'll go back on it in August, and then he'll <laughs> he'll claim it throughout the course of the season. But then go quiet. Once again, we can't we can't cover.
1: Mark just got up and walked away uh, right as I started to bring him up. So if I didn't tell the audience that Mark left, it would just make it look like he didn't say anything. Here he comes. He's running back. And he is back. Mark's back, Barry. Yeah, Marky! I was just saying Thanks that you you're going to, be for back. two and a half months uh, next summer, you're going to be talking about the Lions going to the playoffs. That was my prediction. I'm not quite
5: there yet. Um, I, I just, know, but I've, in the summer, yeah. you will be. You will. Oh, yeah.
2: I, I, wait, did, did you a just sign by
5: the way, you, you sprinted out of there while you were coughing? <laughs> that was a coffin sprint. I haven't seen that. The
1: old coughing uh, sprint. Better than a coffin sprint.
5: Right. Man, this
2: corona got me, but I'm you know, I was feeling good today until the mm. show started.
1: All right. right, hang in there, buddy. Let's take a break.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, thirty-seven minutes later, because you pay the water bill, so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you
1: welcome back let's uh keep moving through the nfc
0: it is third and two cousins from under center
1: he's looking deep now he avoids a bear fires to jefferson caught touchdown jj he the 45-yard touchdown reception, and it's 17-16 Bears. Yeah, we predicted this one. Paul Allen of the call, KFAN. Nice stat-padding week 18 finale for the Vikings. Kirk Cousins passed for 172 and three touchdowns in the second half, leading the Vikings to a comeback uh, over the Bears, 31-17. Two teams with a head coach in danger of being canned we'll see we will have a podcast uh, that will follow this one in short order either monday or tuesday uh addressing everything on black monday related uh but as of this taping both men are still employed anyway jeff justin jefferson tied the score there kj osborne caught the go-ahead touchdown for the vikings who outscored chicago 28-3 in the second half greg who has the brighter future the bears of the
5: vikings Ooh, that's a good one. You you, you lean you lean field, you know, the team that has Justin Fields. But I, do, I just I do like Vikings roster a lot better and just their general makeup, even the, like the the way they've brought in talent, their organization. So I guess I'll go Vikings. That's tough. This. I'd go Vikings, too. I mean, I think also you've, you've got a lot to attract the
2: new head coach if they do move on from Mike right. Zimmer.
5: We'll have a lot to talk about. I, there There's some ominous reports about Zimmer. There's no need to get too deep into it now because we'll find out. But it, it sure looks like both these teams will probably be. Well, did you hear
2: Zimmer snap at a reporter who asked him about his job security? Let's listen in. Yeah.
0: Have you heard anything about
4: your job status and what are your thoughts just on the rumors no I haven't heard anything about my job status I haven't heard anything about yours either do you think there was a chance this could have been your last game as a right contest? not my choice not my decision
1: yeah so because he seems like Zimmer is just over it last week when they were asked if uh, Kellen Mond was going to get the start if if he needed to see him he's like no very flatly uh, one of my favorite like <laughs> coach responses he's very much like a Parcells type guy I, I like Zimmer and I and I think uh it's going to be a bummer if if he doesn't stick around. But at the same time, you know, results matter. This was, by the way, truly the DGAF Bowl. You have Zimmer, who's like, you know, he doesn't care anymore. And Bears coach Matt Nagy elected to go for it on fourth down six times failing on all but one of those attempts.
5: Dalton got sacked three times on fourth down, which you would have to check, but that had to have set an NFL record. I don't know if anyone's ever taken three fourth down sacks in the same game.
1: Yikes. All right, let's, um, let's quickly wrap up the NFC with the NFC Least Bowl. Here's from
4: the snap, throws it into the spot, picked off Bobby McCain! 2015 10 5! Pick 6! Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington!
1: Bram Weinstein, WTEM, Bobby McCain returned the first of his two interceptions, 30 yards. To the house, Antonio Gibson ran for a career high Buck 46, scored a touch, capped his first 1,000 yard rushing season, led Washington to a 22 7 victory over the moribund New York Giants. Washington finishes at 7-10. Big Blue a mortifying 4-13. Dave Gettleman's Giants career almost certainly ends with this loss, the general manager, and we'll see what other changes we see with these two NFC East
5: also-rans. Jack Del Rio says he's back, the defensive coordinator. I didn't know that was up to him to decide, but I guess he knows. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, uh, Ron Rivera, it's a reminder. It's like, Hey, Washington, you could be worse. You could be the Giants. You could be the clown show to use, uh, Joe judges words, uh, from a week ago that, that are the New York Giants right now running, uh, a quarterback sneak power, uh, from their own four yard line on third and nine, just to like give their, their, uh, Punter a little extra room. That is a sad, it's a sad moment.
1: There is, it is a sad moment. And, you know, that fan base that's had a lot of highs over the last 30 years or so. Um, to hear the reaction in the crowd when they see a, a quarterback sneak called twice in a row at the goal line, the last one, yeah, third, third and nine, not even like a third and 28 or whatever. It was like, you can go get that. Against yes, like
5: I- a against like a nine man <laughs> box too. Like every like both teams had everyone just condensed next to the ball. It just it looked like they were on the goal line, but it's like no, you were on the four. Neither
2: team had over a hundred net yards passing in this game. Hmm. That is not a frequent occurrence, I, and yet my
5: guy Terry McLaurin got 93 somehow on his own, going over a thousand. You know, my I'm losing a lot of sandwiches on Terry. It was a tough situation, but it wasn't his fault. We no, will. Tough yeah, for you.
1: We're going to revisit our sandwich props on uh, the our next show, um, but I do remember you had something very lofty. Don't don't even let me know. I'd rather like be surprised when we take a look at it again. But you were all in on scary Terry, um, but he got bogged down by an offense that was just you know from the Ryan fitzpatrick injury on just they were not able to overcome uh the setbacks and and it's going to be a huge off season for the giants i still uh to me feels like they could clean house we're going to find out what happens over the next few days and weeks uh but for the time being uh there's no denying that the end of, the giants ended um the season as probably the worst team in football
2: yeah that- i don't i don't understand how there's there's floating reports that Joe Judge will be retained. I, it's like the, it, it's a combination of bizarre press conferences and a team that is completely,
5: totally regressed and has zero identity. Daniel Jones looked better, I think, after watching what was going on. I mean, just 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 in comparison. I do want to get though, Mark, because um, I know you're going to be watching this on Game Pass later. Just like oh, your yeah. detailed notes of all of your thoughts. Um, and takeaways for wh- how this game changes your offseason. Just look uh, at, at the Giants' defensive line and linebacker positions. Well, I'll, I'll be sure
2: to send you my notes <laughs> post haste.
5: Yeah,
1: we do count on you, Mark, to handle this film study. We believe that.
2: <laughs> you. Listen, you showed me how professional you are with the cardboard cutout it's scenarios. Like, you like know, do you think Jalen Smith
5: part. has a future? Uh, you know, he had five tackles in this game. Does he have a future with the Giants? There's only one way to check that's the tape. Check with me on Tuesday, and I'll I'll let you know everything that I've downloaded mentally
2: about this.
1: <laughs> We're going to carve out a, a section of our next show just to break down this game, the tape study, and and we turn we count on you because we know you're the man for the job. So it
2: you, sounds what like a terrible that. task! What was that, Mark? Thank what you for a, saying
1: that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the NFC. The table is set for another year of postseason football. We will have you covered, of course. Uh, with uh, three shows every week, maybe more, whenever it's called upon, and uh, including uh, Black Monday, or, or as we call it, New Horizons Monday. That's a, that's something that's a branding that we came up with that skirted some NFL restrictions about using the term Black Monday. New Horizons Monday is upon us, uh, so we will have a show for you. Uh, either Monday or Tuesday, breaking all that down, so keep an eye out for that. Until then, try to get some sleep. Uh, Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, Does anybody else have anything else to add? No, my voice is about to die, so um, let's wrap it. It is, yes. It's almost 2 a.m. on the East Coast right now, so that means we need to end this um, till Tuesday. Heat the call.